Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the greatest podcast in the world, Movie Dudes. <laughs> Movie Dudes. Hell yeah. So, this is our first episode, which also mean, uh, means it's probably going to be the worst one, since we both have no idea what we're doing. My name's Phil. My name's Alec. And so, well, basically, uh, just to give the story of how this all came to be, a few weeks ago, I was sitting in my room, uh, thinking about life, and thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be amazing to make a podcast just, just two guys talking about movies? So, I realized that I had no one to do this with, so I decided to go to the place, best place on earth, on earth to ask for help, Reddit, went to the... Uh, <laughs> because, am I, am I not right? That Reddit's the best place on earth? <laughs> Uh, let's just, let, let's just say that. All right. Um, and so I went to the r slash criterion, uh, made a post saying, does anyone want to make a podcast with me? And Alex said, yes, sure. So here we are. That's basically it. I, I yeah. DM'd him that night. Uh, and I was just kind of like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, throughout COVID, I get, you know, just making, uh, you know, making friends online became, uh, I don't know, much more, I, I don't know what the word would be, just kind of like, I don't know, realistic to me, I guess. Yeah. So I was fine with just being like, whatever, yeah. <laughs> I'll start talking to this random stranger online. Right. Uh, and, yeah. And that, and then, you know, I sent him the DM, we talked over Discord a couple times, and now we're here. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, what we thought for this first episode is we would maybe talk about uh, sort of like what kind of uh, what kind of cinephiles we are because uh, the way we plan the podcast for the future is basically basically each episode is going to be about a different film and it's going to be us talking uh, about our opinion about the film and the people who made it and just anything about the the film we're going to pick. But for this episode, it just made more sense. Uh, since no one watching this video is going to know us, to just introduce ourselves. Uh, so the first subject that we wanted to talk about is, what is our first film that we saw, or if we can't remember, what is the first memory that we have of movies? Mm. So do you want to go ahead? Yeah, I could. Um, I was told that when I was younger... Um, I, and I'd have to ask my parents about this, but I was told one time that the first movie I ever saw was uh, Cars in the theater, which might be true, because uh, I was born in 02, and I think that came out in 03. No, I think, sure. it's, I think it's still 05. 05, really? Yeah, oh, I think so. Let shoot. me check. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't... <laughs> I think so. I'm not too sure. I don't know. It's either that or the SpongeBob movie. That's, oh, that's always what I was it's told. It's 06. Oh, six. Oh, six, yeah. Maybe I went to the movies before then. I legitimately have no idea. But I guess my first major, um, m like, movie memory that, like, I remember getting excited to watch movies was um, I would watch movies with my dad every weekend. And <laughs> he, uh, he used to just, um, you know, get a bunch of moving, get a bunch of movies for us to watch. That's... All I'll really say about it, because he's just like, yeah, he'd, he'd get, like, a collection of movies. We'd watch, like, I don't know, 80s classics, 
uh, you know, regular mo- regular Disney movies like Aladdin. Uh, and I remember there was just this period of time where I watched a lot of movies and basically forgot what they were all about until I watched <laughs> them again later. But yeah. I do remember those times basically because of those movies. Yeah. Um, for me, well, I have no idea what my first movie was. The The first film that I remember actually seeing in theaters was actually Spider-Man 3. Ooh. Yeah, and well, actually, the, the entire Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy was like... The, they were some of the movies that I watched the most as a kid. And so to this day, I still find a lot of enjoyment watching them. And so, you know, that that's a memory that probably causes why... I have such a great memory of Spider-Man Three, because um, you know I'm I'm one of those people who says that the film isn't nearly as bad as what um, others say. No, it's 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 honestly not too bad. No, it's not. It's, I haven't seen it mm-hmm. in full since I was really young, um, but I did watch it like I watched like half of it on TV like a few years ago, and it wasn't yeah. too bad. It's well, I get I I get why people don't like it. Yeah, it's not. It's not the best one. It's obviously. definitely. Uh, it's definitely the worst one of the trilogy. But yeah, it's still a pretty solid film, in my opinion. Oh, of and, course. Yeah. Um. And well, what? One of the things that really made me uh, get into movies as a kid was well, kind of like you, my dad often brought home uh, DVDs because he had. Uh, well, that's the funny part. He had a guy uh, where he worked who made bootleg copies of movies and he would uh sell them to him so that is yeah it's hilarious because that was the exact same situation with my dad and i dude not without the selling part uh All my right. dad had a well, friend i don't know that, if it, i don't know if it was selling either i just assumed yeah but not because like about it. i don't know my my dad had a friend that was really good at bootlegging um and eventually you know we both learned how to do it and we had this massive stack of yeah. DVDs that were, mm-hmm. you know, just all written in Sharpie. I have them still somewhere. Same, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's... <laughs> I didn't want to mention it because I'm not too sure on the legality of it. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh... I don't think... I think it, I think how I learned it was, like... I don't know. It, it wasn't illegal unless you're selling it. Yeah, that's. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Because it it's still if frowned you, upon. Yeah, <laughs> but if you, I, I'm pretty sure it's no one's gonna do anything if you don't make money from it. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Know, I don't think anybody's my, gonna care. Yeah. No. It, exactly. And especially since like the laws on, um, on streaming and uh, copywriting movies isn't really like, you're not gonna go to jail for that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. But I definitely remember like a a bunch of movies that I would watch because like what I did is like I had 10 movies that I just I just watched all the time and yeah so that was basically where uh, my love for movies started I would say that I definitely agree with you though about that being where it started I guess if I had to say if there was any other I guess specific memories of when I used to like movies was um when I was a kid, I had one of those like little portable DVD players. You ever seen one of those? Yeah, I yeah. had one. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure I still have it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But it doesn't. Mine, work. mine broke. Yeah, like mine broke like yeah, ten years ago. Yeah, because they're cheap like, as I, fuck. 
Yeah, I would <laughs> I would bring it to my grandma's house uh, on the weekends when I'd stay there sometimes, and I would just... I remember uh, I had two movies that I would always put in and watch one specific scene from both of them. I, I was a weird kid. I wouldn't even watch the whole movie. Oh, I would just I would just yeah, watch no. like I, I would did watch. That too. I, I had two movies that I would always put in there: Son of the Mask and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Two very not great movies. <laughs> so, I haven't seen the the other film, but Son, uh, Son of Mask is. I've seen it like a few years ago just for the joke. <laughs> It's bad. It's not <laughs> it's good. It's terrible. No, but when I was a kid, I don't know what it was. I think it was my non-developed brain just really yeah. liked the scene. Just really liked the scene uh, of um, the dog and the baby running around the room trying on the mask. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that. I, I, I this the all dogs go to heaven one is like even further in my brain because I honestly can't remember like the specific scene. I just remember I think it's the one where they go up to heaven. <laughs> Right. I, I don't know. I haven't seen the movie in like 10 years. I've so never I seen really this say. film. It's very forgettable, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure. I'm sure it's fine. I don't know. Dude, but, I, can't, I can't say anything. Yeah, I also had like... I used to watch a lot of... I, f- I feel like it's the, the same thing for any kids. Where we just watch a bunch of bad films. Like, uh, for some reason, the, the one film that I have... The, the biggest memory of watching was Alvin and the Chipmunks, like the live action <laughs> film. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, also, All like right. the, the, the two Scooby Doo live action films. For, for some reason, there's something with like uh, live action uh, versions of cartoons that I just really liked as a kid. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, I rewatched those uh, live action Scooby Doo movies with my girlfriend fairly yeah. recently. They're not bad. Dude, they're not that bad they're really fine like they have some kind of you know early 2000s kind of awfulness to them like a in bunch some of, scenes a bunch of fart jokes all the time because yeah. that was just the kind of some humor fart, they made at fart, the time yeah some fart jokes some really weird sexuality yeah uh, but um other than that they're really solid movies <laughs> dude yeah especially like for for a kid they're just a really good time of enjoyment yeah, they're not, they're not bad. Yeah. I just remember, like, because I watched them as a kid, and then as, like, an early teenager, I was like, oh, those were terrible. And then, then like, I Same. watched them again, I'm like, oh. Dude, at, uh, when I was, uh, like, 13 years old, I had a YouTube channel where I'm, I made <laughs> I made reviews of movies, kind of like the Nostalgia Critic. <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I made, dude, I made so many reviews of films that I liked, uh, when I was younger, uh, just because, like, oh, the Nostalgia Critic says it's bad, so it has to be bad, right? And you, dude, dude you I have remember. no idea. I would, okay, I didn't have a YouTube channel, uh-huh. but I would think the same thing. Uh-huh. I would watch the Nostalgia Critic, and I'd be like, yeah, these these movies suck. And then I'm like, yeah. why would I think that? <laughs> well, it's because, yeah, because we're, uh, uh, this stage, you're, you're in a mindset where, like, oh, I have to make my own opinions. But you don't know how, so you just see someone say something and you assume, all right, <laughs> yeah, right, sure. So that's why, like, you got a bunch of kids making, like, being, like, really weird and doing some really dumb and toxic stuff just because they don't know better. Exactly, yeah. No, yeah. it's it was exactly the mindset I had, too. But then there was also some movies that Nostalgia Critic was right about, like, uh, what was it, like, the, the Lorax remake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that that one being a big one where, as a kid, I liked it, and then I saw the Nostalgia Critic video, and then I watched the movie again. I was like, oh, yeah, that is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, also, um, I just thought about that, but we were... Uh, so you were born in 02. I was, I was born in 03. So we're... Really? Yeah. So we were both born in uh, the kind of like last generation that uh, got to go to uh, like uh, Blockbuster and that kind of stuff. So did you... You're right. Did um, you... Did you ha, Do you have any like Blockbuster memory or something? I have one. Um, go ahead. My dad and I would go to Blockbuster fairly often uh, in 08... Um, uh-huh. I, so, okay, the time when we rented movies most was when we lived um, in another city from the one I was born in, uh, and we would go to the family video that was there all the time. But Blockbuster, um, in my hometown, we, I remember one time, <laughs> we got a copy of Spy Kids on, on DVD. Yeah, which, and which are also put, pretty good films. Oh, no, yeah, they're... <laughs> I will defend those movies till I die. Same, <laughs> except for the fourth one, obviously. But and maybe the third one. I like I like Game Over. Yeah. It's stupid in a great way. I like the Elijah Wood scene. Oh yeah, cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's um. So yeah, I had Spy Kids, and I remember we uh we we did the old mistake of uh putting it in a box, and we just forgot about it. Um, and then, uh, when my dad went back to Blockbuster, they were just like, okay, we could either charge you a bunch of late fees or you could just buy it. And so he just bought it. All right. Yeah. And so somewhere sitting somewhere in my dad's house is an old DVD copy of Spy Kids from Blockbuster, Uh which I really want to find now that I talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. No, that'd be cool. Um, well, so for me, that's, um, I had a Blockbuster, yeah, I had a Blockbuster near my house uh for until i think uh 2013 no maybe mm. earlier i don't know around that time uh it shut down and now it's a now it's a shop like to buy uh animal food so just guess why not but there was another video store um that are near that place that opened up uh, a few months maybe a year later and that one lasted until 2019 so I have like very recent memories of renting movies, which I think a lot of people don't have that luck. And yeah. I, I remember when it closed that they made a sale, uh, you know, where you could buy all the films for really cheap. And so I was kind of excited about that because at that point I was really into like buying a bunch of uh, DVDs and Blu-rays and making kind of a, co- a collection. But at the same time, I was... Yeah, I was so sad that it was closing down because I had so many good memories of going there and renting movies, and so yeah, it's I've been I've uh, definitely been miss, missing that for a long time. But yeah, a very uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, the exact same thing happened to the mm-hmm. family video that was in um, my mom's town where she lives. Uh, they had a they had a like going out of business sale planned, and I. I texted my mom like, "Let me know, please." Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to go there and see what they have. She, she didn't. She forgot. So Aww. I didn't. Well. I didn't end up getting to go to an end to, to the going out of business sale. But I can remember the actual last movie I ever rented from a video store. What was it? It was The Sisters Brothers. Which hold on, let me. What is? Let me look up what movie this was because I. It was a 2018 movie. I remember that. Where was the 29th? Hold on, let me look it up. 
with yeah oh and yeah with uh john c Riley and uh, joaquin phoenix yeah um it's okay it's not a not a great <laughs> movie all right yeah. uh so i mean a lot of people love it i thought it was just fine yeah but, um but yeah no that was the last movie that i rented from a video store yeah I don't re- remember all the the, uh, the films that I bought, but I remember that I got this um, really cool 30th anniversary DVD uh, collector thing of uh, Close Encounter uh, of the Third Kind. Ooh. Which, I don't know if you see here, there's like a poster here. That's the poster that came from this. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's amazing, actually. That's nice. It's one yeah. of, like... One of the three only uh, movie posters that I own. I've got like a Back to the Future one right here and a Harry Potter one over there. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Like, I, okay, so I was going to bring this up eventually, mm-hmm. but it's going to yeah. bring it up now. Go uh, ahead. But this background is very temporary because <laughs> I am moving from this apartment uh, in about a month. So yeah. when I move, there's probably going to. I'll probably like actually set up a good background with movie posters but right now the only movie posters i have are i have a a bootleg red bubble poster uh of life aquatic with steve zisu uh-huh by wes anderson uh and i have this really old uh hollywood poster of uh the original rampage oh. uh, that this is a this is a decently interesting story on its own uh-huh. uh, my, my stepdad is a realtor and uh he worked in like condo realty for a while and there was a guy that he was selling the condo of who was a uh he was like a filmmaker and he had oh. like a bunch of film memorabilia uh and he left some like he left a mug that i still have that says wisconsin film association or something Mm-hmm. Uh, and that Rampage poster, and actually the current uh, monitor I'm using right now. <laughs> oh, that's Which, nice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it does its job. It's an yeah. iSymphony, uh, like, very small TV. Yeah, so, isn't, you know, that a, isn't that, like, a really old brand? Oh, I'd, I would be hard-pressed to find anything iSymphony now. Yeah. Or, or maybe not. Maybe they're a very successful company, and I'm just talking out of my ass. Who knows? Maybe. But it's yeah, it's a fine, it, it's a it does the job. But yeah, that's that was that story. He also in a separate. This is completely unrelated. Yeah. In a separate in a separate condo, we found a Nintendo DSi <laughs> uh. with with Mario and ba- Mario and Luigi's in- Bowser's Inside Story, uh, just yeah. left inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, he's just, <laughs> it's so funny. He comes home. He comes up to my room. He's just like, "Do you want this?" And I went, "Yeah." Because I hadn't had a DS since I was, like, I don't know, 12? Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. So I got my DS. I don't know about you, but I still have it there. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. Ha- I still have that DS over in one of my drawers with my 3DS right. that I have. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So. That was, my, that was my condo movie story. Nice. So to get a bit more on, uh, to get uh, mm-hmm. more on track... I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I live. In, I live in a big city. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, Where'd I live in live? a. Okay. 
I guess I sh- I guess it's fine to say this because no, it's if already, you just say if it's, it's a big already, city, you can just say. No, no, no. I think it's already fine to say this because I, it'll come up in another right. short film uh-huh. I make or something. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, nice. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about Cleveland. It can get a bit yeah. loud sometimes. Right. Uh, so I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what that was because I've never heard that kind of noise before. <laughs> so. It sounded, yeah. uh, from my point of view, it sounded like, uh, you know that scene in Jurassic Park with the T-Rex, and it's like, <laughs> smashes the ground, and there's a, the shot of the cup of coffee. It's, it's sounding like something like that. I have no idea what that was. It it's could so either weird. Be, it could either be thunder or a car crash. I have no idea. <laughs> One or the other. One or the other. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> back right. on track. Uh, yeah, back on track. <laughs> Uh, until we go on another tangent. Uh, so that was uh, our origin story of movies. But when would you say was the moment where you really set, where you really thought to yourself, all right, movies are fucking awesome and I want to watch movies until the day I die. Which, are, I, which was, I assume happened. Right. No, I, yeah. I would say it was a very gradual thing. Because uh, mm-hmm. I loved movies for a very long time. Um... And it was probably around 2016 that I actually thought, like, hey, I should start, you know, writing down movies that I see and, like, what I thought of them. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of morphed over time into, like, hey, I want to branch out and watch all these other movies that are not usually talked about. Um, and then I think it was about, I want to say early 2019... I started like getting into international film, so I can't really say I can pinpoint exactly when yeah. I started, but I do know exactly when I wanted to get into filmmaking itself. Um, I was this is twenty this is twenty fifteen, um, and I'm on a road trip in the south uh, with my grandpa and my dad, uh, and a little a couple about a month. Before that, uh, there's this YouTube channel that I used to watch called uh, uh, Syndigo. It was like yeah. uh, s- sketch comedy um, done by the guys who now run the channel Super Mega. Um, mm. And I used to watch their channel a lot. Uh, and I think it was in September of 2015. Uh, one of the members of Syndigo, Daniel Kyer, uh, passed away, uh, suicide. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Uh, Markiplier was, made a video. I saw that. Yeah, it was, like, in my world, it was, like, one of the first celebrity... Not, like... I, I guess you can say celebrity deaths, but it was, like... Well, yeah, someone that you respect but yeah. you don't personally know. Yeah, it was a celebrity yeah. death. It was, like, one of the first times that I was, like, rocked by it. I was, like, oh, my yeah. God. Um, I get that, yeah. And so I decided, like... There's a, I was, like... I remember I was, like, there's still a lot of, like, the Syndigo back catalog that I never watched. So I went all the way back, and I learned that they had a podcast that was on um, iTunes. I still don't know if it's up. It probably is. Someone's probably archived it. I don't know. But there was, um, on that road trip, was the first time that I listened to a podcast, like, all the way through. Like, all, there was, like, I think 14 episodes of it by the time that this channel ended. So I watched... I listened to all of them on that road trip, and there's one specific episode where they talked uh, to their friend uh, Tucker, 
who does like filmmaking stuff, like just shooting stuff and like yeah. All, all uh, that. I think he works with uh, Gangrams now. Like he makes yeah, stuff he for, uh, he did um, ten minute power hour for yeah, a while. and I think he makes uh, videos for uh, Ninja Six Party. Yeah, that that's true. He's, I I forgot he still does that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I saw but, yeah, that in the credits. Yeah, I was um. So yeah, I, I was listening to that episode and everything he was saying. I was like, I was like, I I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I was like, because I, I, it was a new feeling that I had never experienced. Where I was just like, oh god, <laughs> I know, I I know almost exactly where I want to go with this. Yeah, and only like later on, like in the last couple of years, that I think, hey, maybe I actually want to write the movies that I'm making or something like that. It's it was very, it was just a very eye-opening experience listening to that uh, podcast on that road trip. Which, you know, now that both of those memories are, you know, conjoined in my brain, I have, I have a very good like memory to hang on with, hang on to with that. So, that was the point where I just kind of started getting into movies much more heavily. Right. Um, so, so yeah, you, you go yeah. ahead because mine went right. for a while. No, it's fine. Uh, for me, uh, I'd say it really started when I was uh, around 12 years old, 12, 13 years old, where I started to watch a lot of YouTube. And I started to watch uh, especially a lot of uh, YouTube channels that talked about movies. And that's where everything kind of like came together. Um, so while it's going to come up, uh, in the future eventually so I'm just going to say it I'm Canadian French which is that I'm a native French speaker which is that I'm, I watch a bunch of uh, French YouTubers and they, they've got a lot uh, in France they've got a, a lot of really good uh, movie YouTubers that were really uh, entertaining, entertaining and interesting to watch and they made me discover just so many films and they made me think yeah all right movies are amazing so uh, that's where it all uh came to be and then also that same way i also thought making movies would be amazing as a job like i'd love to do that uh because when i was seven years old i went to a, a play that my older brother did and uh uh uh, when I saw that, I thought, oh, I want to be an actor. And then I started discovering YouTube videos. And then uh, I thought, yeah, never mind. I want to be a director. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and, uh, and then I discovered, do you know a uh, Canadian-French d- director named uh, Xavier Dolan? I know the name. What is he What is yeah. he made? He made a film called Mummy, which won the uh, Palme d'Or, I think, in, in Cannes. Mm. I think that's on my. I think that's he, on my watch list. Yeah, he um, at the age of nineteen years old, he made a film and premiered it at Cannes. Oof. So he's like, you know, this crazy young prodigy and everything. So he's like, probably the um, the biggest director in uh, in Quebec. So I admired him a lot, and I was when I discovered him, I thought, all right, I want to do everything. And then I kind of come down a little bit, but yeah. So basically, that was it. And then eventually, because the issue was that I was uh, watching a bunch of videos about movies, but I was barely watching any movies, actually. 
So I, I, I got into this kind of issue um, where, as we said earlier, when, when you're a kid, you just uh, watch stuff and uh, you hear stuff and then you just spit it back out. Like you can't, uh, kids don't form their own opinion. So basically I was giving my opinion on movies that I hadn't seen. And uh, yeah, eventually I started watching more movies uh, and eventually discovered like f uh, a bunch of foreign films. Uh, er earlier last year, I discovered uh, South Korean cinema, which I really like now, and a lot of uh, c cinemas from around the world. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's very so, interesting. It's very interesting that you said you wanted to be a, be an actor, um, because mm -hmm. as a kid, as a kid, I never, ever thought I I was like I never thought I'd enjoy acting even remotely. And for my uh, film school classes, I'm in film school, and I think you are too, right? I am as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, in my film school classes, one of them was an acting course that we had to take, uh, and I thought I was gonna hate it. But I actually loved it. I don't think I want to be an actor per se, but I I would be fine with doing stuff. I guess when it comes to acting, yeah. like just a little thing here and there. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So I think now is the time for the top ten. Oh boy. Ooh. All right. So we thought that a good way to introduce the, the kind of cinephile that we are, we would both tell our top 10 favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is kind of a uh, very difficult things, uh, thing to do because I've... Oh, yeah. We've both, uh, both watched like a few hundred films. And so out of all of those films, how do you pick 10 films that are going to be your favorite I would, so, I don't know. Initially, I was going into it thinking, like, I don't think I'm going to put any of these in order, but I think I have a decent order to them now. So, I mean, I think a, a good way we could do it is just, like, I say my number 10, you say you no, your number 10, and then we just bounce off like that. Uh-huh. All right. Sure. All righty. So, uh, do you, so, you want to go first? I can go first. All right. So... The my number ten film is on this shirt. So it is a film, uh, a Japanese film called House, directed by uh, Nob Nobuhiko Obayashi, uh, which was released back in 1977. It is a horror film, or at least that's what it, it <laughs> says it is. But in my opinion, it's kind of more of a comedy. Oh, it's amazing. This film. Uh, so good. I'm gonna say exactly what Bill Hader said in his Criterion Closet video. This film is a crazy fucking movie. <laughs> and uh, so basically, it's probably the most weird film that I've seen in my entire life. And that's what made it so entertaining. Um, so this film is about a, a group of teenage girls who decide to spend their summer vacation going to one of the girls' uh, grandmother house in the, the south of Japan. And they go there, and like any good horror film, they realize that 
there's some weird stuff going on. There's like some paranormal stuff. Um, and so, yeah, if I say it like that, it just sounds like a very basic horror film, but it is absolutely fucking not. No, it is uh, not. No, see, okay, I yeah, <laughs> I love House. I've seen I've seen it mm-hmm. twice now. Um, the first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I th- was going into it with the idea like, hey, you know, I think this will be like a, not typical, but I was like, you know, it might just be like you know Japanese horror. It might just be some some cool stuff. It might be maybe a little weird. Uh, and then I go into it, and you know, within the first like 10 minutes or so there's already some amazingly just strange cinematic choices and yeah. then as the movie goes on there's so much like amazing <laughs> it's just amazing weird stuff i never thought i would have seen in a movie oh man the the way that i describe this film anytime i uh w- want to get someone to watch it is i say the first uh the first act of the film is directed like it was a weird girl anime from the 90s. That's and exactly the, it. And the other part of the film is direct is directed like you know those kind of uh, weird overactive uh, commercials from Japan that you see and you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's you directed ca- like that. You captured that perfectly. That's exactly what it is. I know, right? <laughs> and so yeah, it's any like all the weird things that you could imagine going g- coming from Japan are all jammed up in this 88 minute amazing horror film, which is just so fun to watch. I don't know what's your favorite scene from the film. Uh, I think my favorite might be the girl who starts playing the piano and then gets eaten by said piano. Oh yeah, what did I what did I say my favorite scene in the film was? Uh, I think uh, when we talked about it uh, last time, we talked about uh, the the guy who transforms into a pile of bananas. Oh, I wouldn't say that's my favorite. That's definitely one of them, though. I would actually it's say I would actually agree with you and say that the piano one is my favorite scene because right. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. There's if I had to, and honestly, we're we might have to do an entire episode on House in the future. Oh, we have to. Yeah, it would be an amazing episode to do. But one thing I want to point out especially is the way that um, Nobuhiko Obayashi uses uh, framing. Because there's like... Yeah. There's like that scene where the dad's on the balcony and there's all like the boxes or whatever. Ugh. Jesus. Just watching that scene makes me go like, oh, it's so pretty. (laughs) Another scene that might be my favorite of the film for a whole other reason is the last scene of the film which is when the um, the the new stepmom of the 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 main girl uh goes to the house to just you know uh spend a vacation with them after all the girls have been killed obviously spoilers i'm sorry it's a horror <laughs> film what do you expect yeah and it's just this weirdly amazingly beautiful scene of just the, the the girl and the grandma talking and the waist frame and the lighting it's a gorgeous scene it's so and it's it's so beautiful like on the surface but just taking a step further it's very deeply disturbing in a way yeah i don't, I don't know what it is about that scene but it just makes me feel uneasy whenever i watch it i know right and it's 
yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing, and I love it. And so, yeah, no, house, if you want a weird fucking thing to, to just sit down and have a really good time, watch house. It's amazing. Yeah, house is brilliant. I have it on Blu-ray literally sitting in my drawer right over there. It's one of the criteria yeah. I own. Yeah, I'm going to get it in the next uh, uh, Barnes & Noble sale. Oh, it's, yeah, it's an absolute must-have. Alright, so... Um, your, what I guess is your that, number 10? I guess that moves on to my number 10, which I do not own physically. Because yes. if I because if I wanted to own it physically, I would have to shell out about $60. My number 10 pick is uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, The End of Evangelion. Uh, oh. Which, which is right. uh, directed by uh, Hideaki Anno, Anno. So, it's the... So, both, uh, both Japanese films... Yes. So, yeah. um, the, the end films. of Evangelion is, as it says, the end of the original Evangelion series, um, which was very, it had a very weird history. I don't know if you've ever watched Evangelion at all. Um, all right. Well, if we're going to talk about Evangelion, I'm going to say it. Uh, a few, uh, two or three years ago, it came out on Netflix, so I thought, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to watch it. I watched seven or eight episodes and thought alright this is boring as shit and then I stopped that's fair I that's couldn't really, get into fair. it I was I know I, it was I, it was just too slow for my taste I no I'm gonna be honest didn't. it's like um I think the original like Evangelion series is like an 8 out of 10 it's it's good it's really good yeah but it's not it's not great mm-hmm. the end of Evangelion alright I'll, I'll get to that so okay the original Evangelion series ended in a very abstract, really, like, experimental last two episodes that played with, like, the foundations of an anime episode. And it's really, it's really well done. But not a lot of people liked it. The studio Gainax yeah. decided, started getting a lot of threats. So the director decided, you know what? Screw all of you. And he made the end of Evangelion as a replacement for that other ending... And basically kills all the main characters in a glorious, beautiful, terrifying, like, sequence of the entire movie. It is... I think I've, I think I've heard about that. It has this... It has this eight-minute sequence of, spoiler alert, the world ending <laughs> set to um, a really beautiful uh, piano and orchestral song... Uh, and it is my it, probably my favorite animated scene of all time, but um, okay, the end of Evangelion, in my opinion, is it's not the best animated movie ever, but it it brings all of these just crazy chaotic elements from the show. It takes its experimentalness and decides, you know what, we're not gonna dumb it down at all, or just you know, we're not gonna become simple just out of nowhere. How about we just take that and run with it? Um, and it has so much to say about... The whole show has so much to say about just mental health uh, and how certain things can go completely out of hand <laughs> and government conspiracies. It's a very good movie. I would say it was, mm-hmm. hard. It was, hard. It was hard to pick my number 10 but I just can't deny how good End of Evangelion is as a movie. Yeah. 
I definitely think that I'm going to have to watch the entire show just at least to say like because I, I don't like to judge a show or film if I hadn't seen all the way through. Obviously. No, I I do that very case by case. Like, I don't know. There's only one time that I ever dropped a show in the middle and thought, you know what, this sucks, I'm not watching the rest of it. And that was with, um... Yeah. That was with, uh, I think it was 2017. 2017's Darling in the Franks. Which was, uh... Oh, yeah, alright, uh-huh. Which was, a, was, was an anime that took a lot of, um... A lot of inspiration from uh, Evangelion, and obviously we can get into anime in a whole separate w- way. And all I'll say is this: Darling in the Franks wishes <laughs> it was Evangelion during a lot of scenes right. and parts. It's it's a very weird show, and I eventually want to make a video dissecting why I don't like that show. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I so- saw. My brother is a really big anime fan, so he's told me about it, and uh, basically he told me that, like, uh, this this show was made by a studio called Studio Trigger, which yes. also made uh, another really popular show called Garin Lagan, mm-hmm. and uh, also made a bunch of other stuff, and he told me that this studio has a weird tradition that every single one of the, their show or movies, no matter what, always ends in space and not yeah. always in the not always in the smoothest way <laughs> not always in the way that makes the most sense so oh my god i don't know eventually so i'm moving in with a, a good friend of mine jared very soon uh eventually i don't know like someday in the future i want to have him as a guest on the podcast or just sure. something yeah like because i i want him to tell I like just just to kind of tell you about like just how how funny he is. He described to me the last uh, ten episodes of Darling in the Franks and what happens in them. I was laughing so hard that I think I started crying because <laughs> it is <laughs> genuinely genuinely the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But yeah. anyway, that's that's getting <laughs> off a of topic. End of Evangelion is my number. Yeah. 10. Alright, so uh, I guess we should go for my number nine. And I'll be honest, while we were talking about uh, Evangelion, I, I had like a little voice in my head that was really thinking uh, whether or not, because I'm really hesitating about changing my number nine for another movie. Okay. Yeah. I Thinking about it, I think I'm going to keep it. Uh, so my number nine, and I have it on a, on a Blu-ray. My number nine is The Shining. Which Ooh. I know is also going to be on your list. Yeah, we'll have I'm to pretty see sure where. It is. <laughs> where so, what I what I say is since I'm pretty sure it's going to be higher than nine on your list, right? I I won't I won't confirm or deny. All right. All right. Well, so uh, we're not going to say a lot about uh, the the shining now, but let's talk about it in bigger details later. Are you wanting to save it but for when it's on mine? J- j- just save it, uh, save it for later, just so we can both just say why we love this film so much. But obviously, just The Shining. If you do, some somehow don't know what The Shining is, it's a, a horror film. That one's an actual horror film uh, yes. directed by Stanley Kubrick and 
1980, I think, with uh, Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. And uh, it's about this guy, Jack Torrance, who uh, basically is asked to, as a job, to take care of a hotel when it closes up for uh, for the winter. And he he learns that a lot of weird shit is going on, <laughs> not only in the hotel, but in his brain as well. And it's... Yeah, it's so... Yeah, it's... Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll obviously talk about it in more detail in a bit, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's... Stanley Kubrick is a director that I feel... It might be a bit overrated. Because any director that's considered as the best director of all time... Is probably a bit overrated. Because I don't think any director deserves that status. No, no director does. However... <laughs> If it comes yeah. into Stanley Kubrick's case, I might have to disagree and say that I don't think he's overrated. Because well, I I'm, think I'm not saying that he's like a bad director, but just no, saying like he's not the best. No, yeah. I, I, if I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that like I have yet to seen a Stanley Kubrick movie that I haven't thought was amazing. Granted, I've only seen two, and that was The Shining and Full Metal Jacket. Uh. Uh-huh. But I need yeah. to go through his entire thing, and I'll obviously yeah. I was gonna say this earlier, but I forgot. Um, this list is not set in stone. <laughs> no, I am, no, no, I, no, no, because I because I am still watching a lot of movies. I have currently like four hundred movies on my watch list uh, that I've yeah. been slowly Dude, but surely getting through. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I think half of the films that are in my top ten are films that I had not watched. A year ago. Yeah. Like, hold on. I think... So, yeah. Yeah, like, only... I don't know. I, I Actually, that's... Yeah, the only only two of the movies on my list are movies that I've seen recently. So... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we want to move on to mine, or... Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. All right. My number nine is another... A uh, foreign film. I own it on Blu-ray. It is Parasite. So I don't know if Parasite is on your list or not. Uh, hang might on, I be. can't. It might be. <laughs> might be. So, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I know. I think. <laughs> I think we might have to do the same thing then. The The, the Shining. Yeah. Okay. Parasite, but yeah. Bong Bong Joon Ho, beautiful just, film. Just talk about it a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful film. It's about this family that moves into a rich people's house and slowly takes over their house. It's a beautiful commentary about who's the real parasite in society. You know, it's it's amazing. We'll talk about it in more detail when it shows up on yeah. Phil, Phil's list, if it does, if it does. Yeah, I mean, this film single-handedly got me into Asian cinema, but again, oh, we're gonna I agree. talk about it later. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess then it is already then those number nine went so. Quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, it is now time for my number eight, which is Ed Wood. Ooh. Yeah. I Do you know about I this have... film? I have never seen it. Yeah, it's a film directed in... I, I think it came out in the early 90s. Hold on, let me pull up the letterbox page. Right, so it was uh, released in 1994, directed by none other than, than 
Tim Burton. Mm. Mm. And so basically, it's a film about uh, it's a biopic about uh, an actual director uh, whose name was Edward Wood Jr., often called uh, referred as Ed Wood. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with him. Not at all, actually. Uh, you you might have heard about one of his films called Plan Nine from Outer Space. Oh no way! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. I've right, seen so Plan it, Nine. Oh, all right. Yes. Um, Ed Wood was uh, a director that was active in Hollywood in the 1950s, and who at the time was considered as the single worst director of all time. And is he still called that to this day? And so uh, in the film, he's played by Johnny Depp, actually, because it is a Tim Burton film. Uh, and it's also got um, uh, it's also got Bill Murray, who plays an amazingly funny character, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, who's the the girl in uh, Sex in the City. You, you had uh, me, me, me sold to Bill Murray. I'm putting this on my watch list. Yeah, dude. All right. What I love so much about this film is that uh, I think Ed Wood, uh, as a, as a person, is so intriguing and and interesting because, well, as I said, he's he's one of the worst directors that existed of all time. But you see it in um, in the film, and from what I've heard, that was uh, that was true. He was so passionate about movies he loved movies so much he loved making movies so much it, it was his entire life but for some reason he just had a bunch of bad ideas and stuff like that that just made that his movies e even with his passion they just sucked and they were <laughs> terrible and so it's really it's, the the story in itself is really interesting and i really like that um so Tim Burton, uh, no, uh, Ed Wood, mm. was uh, a really good friend with Bella Lugosi, who is this legendary actor who was the, the, the actor who played Dracula in the Universal Monster movies. And uh, he, he became friends with him at the end of his career when he was an old man who didn't really get uh, any movies. Um, any contracts and everything so they became friends and they started making movies and their friendship is honestly one of the best and most interesting friendships to see on screen and it's really fun to, uh, really fun to watch uh, something that I thought about this week when thinking about uh, the top 10 and thinking about this film is that I think this film is very similar in a lot of ways to I don't know if you've seen the film Mank by Not David quite Fincher. Yet. It's it, again. All right. This is going to be like a catchphrase of mine. I swear to God. It, throughout this entire podcast, you're just going to hear it's on my list. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I mean, same. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just it's just so many like, people. Because I like I don't know. Recently, I was at a family gathering, and obviously, since I do movie stuff now a lot of my family was just like did you see this movie and i'm like it's on my list it's on my list <laughs> dude there's too many good movies to see there's, there's way too many <laughs> oh man it's crazy um 
So, well, yeah, Mank yeah. is uh, the latest film directed by David Fincher, who may or may not come back in this list. And uh, he basically, it's a film about the, the guy who wrote Citizen Kane. And uh, it's about, you know, how he wrote it and everything. And so there's a lot of uh, similar things about how it's a person who was very... It's about a person who was very important in the history of Hollywood. And it's a film made in black and white and everything. And so if we compare those films, I think that Ed Wood definitely is a, a better film, in my opinion. Just because I think the story is more interesting and everything. It's a Tim Burton film. But in my opinion, it's... One of his films that look looks the least like a Tim Burton film. It's uh, th there are definitely scenes and things such as Johnny Depp that remind you, oh yeah, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's Tim Burton. But uh, no, yeah. So uh, this one is just really good, and it's a great story about if you're someone interested in the if the entire process of making a film and everything. I highly recommend this film. It's uh, yeah, no, I think that's all I had to say. It's really good. Well, I will definitely be checking that out, and we might have to do. Yeah. Honestly, we we probably will do episodes on like every every movie that we mention. Oh, uh, we have to. I'm assuming so, because like, there's no way we can just mention that we love these movies so much and just never talk about it again. I mean, I'm yeah. <laughs> so, what is your number eight? My number eight is, I don't own it on Blu-ray or anything quite yet, but my number eight is mm -hmm. The Social Network, directed by David Fincher. All right. And uh, is, it, is it on your list at all? It is, it is not. Okay, then we it's can talk not. about it. Um, the Social yeah, Network. Yeah, let's talk about it. The Social Network is a 2010 film about the, the story of uh, Mark Zuckerberg and... Uh, Edward so Eduardo Sovereign and the creation of Facebook and it is probably one of the most perfect movies I've seen I can't really think of a flaw in any part of the movie it has Jesse Eisenberg uh, it has um, oh god what's his name Andrew Garfield playing like the performance of his life I swear uh, and like it has Oh God, what's his name? Who plays the Winklevoss twins? Our Army Hammer. That's it. It has a uh, it has double Army Hammers, which is hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which can I'll be honest? Before I watched the film, I didn't know who Army Hammer was, so yeah, I thought he just hired I, twins. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, for honestly, that, I was so surprised yeah. when I learned that on my second viewing. I was like, what? <laughs> No, because the effect is really well made. It's it's insanely well made. But yeah, no. So social social network. Um, I can't really say. I guess I have. I can't really think. I have too much else to say about it. It's just the dialogue is incredible. It's, the everything. So what? Hold on. Uh, yeah, you, you the film was written. Yeah. Uh, the film was written by what's his name? Uh, oh, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. And he, this film has the fucking best dialogues <laughs> and everything that I've heard in like, in a long time. There, the dialogues are amazing. Oh, it's and so I don't know, just it is so damn funny in some parts. 
I can't remember. Oh, man, it's like... I, dude, you know what's funny is, like, uh, I think last month, I saw a guy on TikTok who went to Harvard with Mark Zuckerberg, and he said how, like, so many things in the, the film are true, and, like, actually, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg in real life was even weirder and the, than he was in the film. And, like... That's incredible. He had this huge mentality of, like... Which is kind of similar in the film, where he kind of think of himself as superior mentally than um, the people around him. And, well, yeah. No, as you said, the the everything in this film is so good. It's... Oh, I just thought about something. I have a really funny story about this film. Go right ahead. So, my brother, who I already mentioned before, hates this film. <laughs> really? Because uh, he saw it uh, when it came out in theaters... And he told me that, and he kept telling me this for uh, so many years, uh, right until I saw the film. He kept saying that the the film is only people screaming at each other for uh, two hours, and there's nothing else going on in the film, <laughs> which is outrageous. Yeah, it, that's a <laughs> a gross overstatement, but like. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I could see how some people might think might think that. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You you mentioned see. this you mentioned this when we were talking just you and I uh, last week, and I still can't believe it. <laughs> oh, did I mention last week? Uh, no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You did because we were talking about social networks. All right, forgot. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So. All right. Should we go with my number? Uh, I- what is it, number seven now? Yeah, yeah, we can move on. I'm good. All right. Uh, number seven is interesting. It is the first Criterion film of the Ooh. list. And Ooh. I know it's a film that I mentioned uh, last week Last week when he talked. It is Harold and Mode, Which is, uh, again, l- let me pull up the letterbox page. All right. It is a film directed and released in 1971, uh, directed by Hal Ashby. So, this film is about uh, a 20-something-year-old uh, guy called Harold, who is just passionate about death. And the, the thing he likes to do the most during his free time is to simulate suicides. Like, the very first scene in the film is him hanging himself, while well, simulating that he hangs himself and everything. And... Uh, his other favorite uh, hobby is, <laughs> yeah, I see your face. That's I love about this. the the face I. I'm I'm yeah, already no, I'm already hooked. <laughs> yeah, um, and so his other uh, favorite pastime is going to funerals, not of people that he knows, but just random people, just because he likes the idea of a bunch of people reuniting re- reuniting in in a place just to cry and mourn a person, and. Uh, in one of those funerals, he meets Maud, a 79-year-old lady who also, just like him, really likes to go to funerals, but for another completely different way. Uh, she likes to go to a funeral just because she really likes the idea of death because she likes kind of with the circle of life and everything, how, like, you know, a life ends and another life starts, that kind of stuff. So she, you know, it's like you've got Harold who's got a very negative view of the world and Maud who on the other hand has a very positive view of the world and so they 
they talk to each other and they end up becoming friends and Maud basically teaches Harold his uh, his view of uh, uh, her view of the world sorry and basically te teaches Harold how to be a more positive person and so uh, this film might uh, s some people might not like this one because uh, I said they develop a friendship which in the end ends up being a romance and I get that some people probably don't want to see a romance between a uh, 20-something year old and a 79 year old but the way this film is they make it like really not that weird and I, I don't know it's just made in a way that's very uh, it's a it's a great romantic film honestly <laughs> we have we have to watch this to talk about this movie because I need yeah. to watch this oh, yeah <laughs> You have to watch this. It's um, so I saw the way I discovered this film is I saw a video about uh, Taika Waititi, uh, who directed um, Jojo Rabbit and Thor Ragnarok, and he, he was talking about a bunch of films that he, that he likes, and he mentioned this film, and I can just say that Taika Waititi has really good taste because this film, as I said, one of the best romance I've seen in. Uh, in in many years, one of the best, uh, one of the, the best film films about life, which kind of sounds weird to say, but it really is, and it's I don't know, it's just it's just a really nice film. I don't really have that much else to to add about it, uh, but I definitely think that if you never heard about this film, you should try to watch it because it is fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I, I think need that's to... it for. I'm, yeah, I'm very excited for when we talk about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So I guess now it is time for your. Uh, what is it now? Number number seven. Uh, six or seven? Seven. It's yeah. it's it's still seven. Yeah. So my number seven yeah. is the 2003 South Korean old boy. Directed by Park Chan-wook, I'm pretty sure. I think that was his name. Uh, Park Chan-wook. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I was correct. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. 2003, Old Boy. It is probably one of the best directed films I've ever seen, as well as acted. The, yeah. The the um, acting behind... The, the performance behind Odesu um, and the antagonist, I can't remember his name for the life of me right now but both of their performances both of their characters are just phenomenal and everything with i don't know i'm really bad at uh articulating my feelings off the cuff but um right i don't know old boy is i don't know it's another one of those movies that i just see as completely perfect and it's probably yeah the the worst example of um a western remake of a of another I was yeah yeah of an of a uh, I, of an I was international gonna, film and no, I, I have, was uh, gonna uh, oh sorry <laughs> so sorry I th uh, no yeah I was gonna say like we're, we were gonna have to mention this because I was gonna ask like as a joke oh what do you prefer between the the original and the remake oh boy uh, um but yeah i have i have a terrible i have a terrible confession to make 
The first version of this film that I saw was the American version. No fucking way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? And I, I watched it and I went, you know what? That's okay. I was like, that's decent. And then I, out of curiosity, yeah. out, of, out of pure curiosity, it was New Year's Day of 2020. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch Old Boy. I'm going to watch the 2003 South Korean version. And it blew me away. And then I went back <laughs> and watched Spike yeah, Lee's uh, version. Spike Lee, by the way, he's a good director. He has made some very good films in the past. So yeah, I don't know why yeah. the hell this old boy version sucks so bad. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because he didn't give... I, I saw making of and interviews of, of the film. And so Spike Lee... Did not give a single shit about this film because what, yeah, he what I heard, did not. yeah, well, from what I heard, it was a kind of situation where it was like uh, the the studio told him, "All right, we're gonna give you the fundings to make this film that you really want to make and that you're passionate about, only if you are gonna make a remake of Old Boy." And so he's like, "All right, sure, I'll do it, sure," and. That was the kind of project that he wasn't passionate at all for. So that that's why the film ended up being shit. And the best yeah. example to that is the hallway scene. Mm, God. Okay. Which is eventually, so... eventually we need to do like a very extra long special of old boys South Korean versus American. Or something oh, that would like be that. cool. I'm that would that. that would be so much fun. But what that would I be great. What I will say right here is that like. Old Boy South Korea is so, like, it has so much subtlety, so much nuance to how it tells its story, so much amazing camera work. Like, there's just so much amazing stuff in it. And then you get to... It's a masterpiece. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. And then you get to Old Boy America. And it is... Holy shit. It's just, like... (laughs) (laughs) It's the most, like non-subtle like americanized garbage i've ever seen and i'm not one of those people that like to say like that i hate like big blockbusters because i like me a good like blockbuster every now and then but this is this is it at its absolute worst it's just such a brainless uh soulless movie and Honestly, at this point, we spent more time talking about the American version than the South Korean version because there's there's honestly not much more to say yeah. about the South Korean version. It's perfect. If you want, yeah. if you want the definitive video on Old Boy South Korea versus America, watch um, your movie sucks video about. I saw that about that video because it is beautifully done. It's like it's funny. It's, it's amazing. It's funny. It's just a great video. Honestly, I might watch it after we finish recording. <laughs> yeah, because it is one of my really fa- it's one of my favorite reviews ever. But yeah, Old Boy two thousand three, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's beautiful. Yeah. Watch it if you haven't, or if yeah. you can't get a hold of it. I understand because I can't either. Because you want to know something? They don't make Old Boy copies for Region A DVD players anymore. <laughs> At least yeah. not that I could find. So, now it is time for my number six. And yes, it is. I'm well, excited. you will be very happy to hear that it is none other than motherfucking Parasite. Woo! So, we're finally going to co- talk about how 
fucking amazing this film is. Ooh. So, <laughs> all right, Par- uh, Parasite is again, as we said, a f- uh, 2019 film directed by Bong Joon Ho, and so Bong Joon Ho is actually someone who I'd uh, heard about before, um, b- before Parasite because uh, one of the French YouTubers that that talks about movies that I really like. Uh, is a very big fan of Bong Joon-ho and has been for many years. And so I was already... I, I'd never seen any of his films, but I was familiar with him. Yeah, uh, it was, it was then, the same It was the yeah. same for me because I I believe I heard about him when um, Okja came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Parasite came out and there were... There, was all the nominations at the Golden Globes and everything, and then the Oscars, and then holy shit, a Korean film won Best Picture at the Academy uh, Award. What? That was that was the last time I ever watched um, the Oscars live, and I'm glad that it was the mm-hmm. last because when they said Parasite for Best Picture, I cheered because I thought they were gonna go with like, oh uh, god, what else was nominated that year? Uh, there was I know Joker was a big one that people said, are they gonna? There's there was no way. There was no way that Joker was gonna win. That would have been hilarious, but no, there was yeah, no sure. way. Joker is a great movie. I'm just saying, I don't think it would have won. Yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, I thought I thought they definitely were gonna mm-hmm. go with like a safer choice. But the fact that they chose Parasite made me have just the faintest glimmer of hope for the Academy. Just a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so I when I saw. Uh, when I watched the Academies, I I, I had not uh, seen it yet, uh, and then I think the the week later I thought, all right, I have to watch it, and then I watched it, and uh, yeah, no, this film is just perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it, in the way that is, uh, I mean, uh, I feel like it's kind of boring to see that Parasite is a perfect film because there's been so many like video essays. Um, about the film and everything is just yeah of course it's a fucking great film everyone knows that uh, but yeah I don't I couldn't exactly tell you what about this film was so perfect because well just like you I, I'm I'm not that great at like kind of articulating my uh, my opinions on movies but there's it, it, it just when you watch it it just feels right it's like there's not a single mo- there, there's not a single moment in the film that makes you think oh yeah I'm not quite sure about that throughout the entire film you're just enjoying yourself and you're f- feeling what the characters are feeling and everything and well I, I, I'm not really going to spoil the film because maybe some people have not seen it but yeah. um, halfway through halfway through the film there is a scene and you know what scene I'm talking about. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, the the scene that changes everything. Whew. It is. It's, and, dude, when the, the, the film, uh, when I saw the film, when that scene happened, I had the biggest fucking freak out I'd ever had watching a <laughs> film. Oh, man. And it's like, because, somehow, for, for the longest time, I thought, um, Parasite was a horror movie, which it, it it's it's not. It's a maybe a thriller, but not a horror film. At, at like the least definition of a thriller, it it is. I don't know. 
Parasite yeah. is one of those movies for me that like defies all description. I can't even really put a genre on Parasite if I'm being honest. No, yeah, it's uh, it's not really a genre film, no. But uh, yeah, no, this film just feels so perfect. It's it. I showed it to my uh, uh, my brother, another one that I talked about, but another one, and he had the same exact reaction where he like couldn't believe what he was watching and everything, and. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's incredible. I yeah. it's a movie that I showed to um to my girlfriend like about a month after I watched it, and the the <laughs> my girlfriend and I watch a lot of movies together. Uh, usually the movies that we watch are like I don't know new for both of us. Uh. But I'm always afraid when I show her new stuff that I love because it's always like, you know, it might be a little too weird for her tastes or, like, anybody's, honestly. But she loved Parasite. Like, it was one of the first uh, subtitled movies she saw, I believe. But uh, it is, yeah, it was one of her favorite movies that I ever show her. And I I completely see why because I love that movie as well. <laughs> Um, Alright, so I guess that it is now your turn for the number six. Number six. Okay. We're going to enter a long streak of me actually owning these uh, movies now. (laughs) So, number six is actually one of the first Blu-rays I ever bought. And that is Spirited Away. Alright. Awesome. And, um... I mean, what what can I really say that hasn't already been said about Spirited Away? It's, yeah. it's in a way, it's a little, like, I don't know. I still have the battle in my brain every single day as to whether I like this or Totoro more. It's, it's those yeah. movies fighting for dominance in my head all the time. But Spirited Away usually wins. So I just decided yeah. to put Spirited um, Away on the list. Well, for me, actually, my favorite film from uh, Ghibli and from Miyazaki is actually um, uh, Howl's Moving Castle. That is my th- that's my third that's my third favorite. All right, yeah, no, I just love this film, and it's it's really great because um, I don't know if it was the same in the U.S., but Netflix Canada recently, like, uh, no, I think it was last year, they added literally all the Ghibli films. It was. And it's um, like if you're going to. It was HBO Max for us. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Which I have HBO Max, so. All right. Well, never so I can't complain. I but can't complain. If, <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you go in the anime movie section in Netflix, it's nothing but uh, Ghibli films, and so I got to to watch quite a few. And well, yeah, now spread it away. It's just the all right. I feel like that's maybe kind of a cliche thing to say, but. Miyazaki films are films that you don't watch. They're films that you live. I think you're very correct in saying that. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, you... In terms of just um, talking about the movie and why it's one of my favorites, it's just... It's obvious. It's it's very perfect. It's like... It's very perfect. Like, it's it's beautifully structured, beautifully animated... There's not really much bad I can say about it. 
Um, but uh, it also has one of my favorite personal stories uh, from uh, movie watching that I've ever had. All right. So, okay. Uh, going into a bit of personal things, uh, I have never been good at math. So, when I was... Same, same thing here. I was, I believe, in second grade. Um, I had taken a math test one day, and I bombed it. I was just, it was terrible. I got, like, really bad grade on it, and I didn't want to tell my mom. Uh, so, my stepdad was the principal of the middle school at that time, and we would spend a lot of evenings there. And I would bring my portable DVD player, and mom would rent movies for me. And one night, she just coincidentally rented Spirited Away for me. Huh. Uh, and I was watching it on my little, on my little, you know, portable DVD player, and I was, I was mystified by it. I'd never seen anything like it ever. And I, I just, I didn't know. I like, I was like, this is amazing. I got halfway through, and then my mom goes, Oh yeah, didn't you have that math test today? And I went, oh, n- yeah. And she's like, can I see it? And I went, no. <laughs> and she's just like, she's just like, Alex, show me your bag. And I, I, <laughs> I walked over to the bag and tried to prevent her from opening it. And she forced it open and saw that I bombed the test. And she was just like, all right, you're done. Took away my DVD player and was just like, you're not watching anything for the rest of the night just because you lied. And I was like, no. <laughs> So I cried, I forgot what the movie was called, and then literally, I think six years later, my dad and I are are going to the movie theater to watch Spirited Away, because it was showing. Mm. And and I just had completely blanked on anything that happened in the movie. And as I was watching it in the theater, I'm like, Jesus, that's the movie! (laughs) I was like, that's the movie that I saw! And then literally oh, the week after, I went out and bought it on Blu-ray and watched it like two more times. So Spirited Away is probably my favorite animated movie. It's amazing. Yeah. And I have such great memories watching it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my right. that's my number six and my story behind it. <laughs> so now it is the top five. Ooh. Now we're going somewhere. We're in the big league. So... Um, yeah. So my number five is a film that I didn't actually realize that I that I considered it uh, as one of my favorite films until a few weeks ago when I thought about it and was like, yeah, no, this film is amazing, and it's one of my favorite films of all time. It is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I have been meaning Which, to watch that. So I've been meaning to watch that movie for a very long time. I still have not. Yeah amazing so um the film is directed by edgar wright who uh people will know for directing the three flavor cornetto trilogy which includes Shaun of the dead uh hot fuzz and the world's end and recently uh, a few years ago directed baby driver Mm-hmm. which a lot of people talked about and a lot of people liked. And at the end of this year is he's making his uh, releasing his new film called Last Night in Soho, which is his only like purely non-comedy film, like purely horror film. 
which I'm, I'm very, very exci- excited about. I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited for that. My friend works in a movie yeah. theater, and I I, I want to ask him to snatch that poster for me when he can. Oh, yeah. So, oh, no, it's yeah, a no, great I'm, poster. I'm very excited to see Last Night in Soho. Yeah. Or is it Late Night? I'm, I don't remember. But, yeah, anyway, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, last Night, yeah. Scott Pilgrim is uh, the the first Edgar Wright film that I watched. I watched it when it came out, so I must uh, was in 2010, so I must have been seven years old. Ooh. And um, then I watched it and kind of for, forgot about it. And then a few years ago, when I discovered Edgar Wright and everything, I thought I thought I'm I should probably rewatch it. And I, I thought it was going to be just kind of a, a dumb comedy film. And I realized that oh no, it is so much more. It's uh, <laughs> the the best comedy, the best action film, the best every uh, it's the best of many things. It's all right. Well, the story is uh, is the story of Scott Pilgrim, which is uh, a guy who's in a, a a band called the Sex Bobons, and who also is being judged by his friends because he's twenty something year old. And he dates a 17-year-old, which his friends think is weird. But then he meets another girl called Ramona, uh, who... Well, then he ends up ditching that 17-year-old for her. And basically, he discovers that if he wants to date her, he has to beat her uh, seven evil exes in different uh, fights and different things like that. And so, yeah that's basically the film and the film is might just be the most entertaining film of all time it's there something in well that's something with um, Edgar Wright's style that's um, he's just always so like really uh, how, how can I say it's I don't want to say fast because I feel like that's not really representative is it, enough it's just it's tight it's very it's tight, yeah. very tight, and there's a lot of jokes that are made uh, that, that are with like the editing and stuff like that. And well, for example, a very, very funny scene where uh, uh, Scott jumps through a window, uh, which well, once <laughs> you see the film, that's like one of the only ones I've seen, and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's uh, the funniest, uh, the funniest scene. <laughs> It's like um, the action scenes are incredibly good. There's so many things in the film that are inspired by video games, even though this film is not about video games. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, of inspiration from it, and obviously the people who made the film were very into video games, and which makes the action scenes film like they were from a, a video game. And... They're so good. The special effects are amazing. And it's like... The, the film actually wasn't really a, a good success. It kind of bummed at the box office. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Because it's so good. Um, and so, yeah. If you just want a, a good film to sit down and enjoy... I highly recommend Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Yeah. I recently picked up the uh, Cornetto trilogy on Blu-ray and we'll be watching it uh, very soon and I intend to do yeah. the same thing with Scott Pilgrim um, I, yeah um, I, I'm, I'm gonna say for uh, until a few days ago 
Uh, I didn't have Scott Pilgrim at that place. I had Hot Fuzz, which is part of the Cornetto uh, trilogy. Uh, but then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to replace. I'm going to switch them up. Because I realized that I actually preferred uh, Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's. And I think it's a very so, good yeah. choice. All right, mm-hmm. are we moving on to my number five? Go ahead. All right, my number five is the first and only criterion on this list. It is oh. The Royal Tenenbaums by Wes ah. Anderson. And I limited myself to only one Wes Anderson movie <laughs> for the list. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, The Royal Tenenbaums is about uh, this guy named Royal, played by uh, Gene Hackman, uh, and his he he's very estranged to his his wife and his three kids who are now adults. Um, so he decides to hatch a ploy, uh, to to hatch a plan that he tells his estranged family that he's dying so that he can spend some extra time with them uh and basically it's it's very bittersweet in a lot of ways it's very funny Hmm. it's one of the best like humor movies that i love and it's just everything it's another one of those movies that like i the fact that it's up here so high like above other movies i consider perfect is really interesting because I would actually say that this is not Wes Anderson's best film. I would say his oh. best is Grand Budapest Hotel. But every time I go back to thinking about what my favorite is, I just I can't deny how much I love the Royal Tenenbaums. Right. So it's like there's so many amazing performances. There's obviously Gene Hackman, like I mentioned. There's Ben Stiller, there's, uh, uh, God, there's, uh, Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, who are just staples in Wes Anderson at this point. So is Bill Murray, uh, Angelica Houston, Gwyneth Paltrow. They're all incredible in this movie. (laughs) And the characters are so funny. And I, yeah, there's not really much more I gotta say. I love this movie. (laughs) And it's... yeah. Uh, it's probably yeah, actually. Seen, I think it was the first Criterion I ever owned. If I had to remember yeah. right, yeah. So hmm. that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen. I've seen most of Wes Anderson's films. The only uh, the only three films that I haven't seen are, uh, The Darjeeling Limited, Bottle Rocket, and uh, The Ro- Royal Tenenbaums, and. Honestly, I'll be honest. I thought about maybe watching a film after we're done with this. That might be it. Watching a Wes Anderson film sounds like a lot of fun right now, so I might do that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I Royal Tenenbaums is one of my favorite movies, and I can't wait to talk about it on here more in depth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, move on, on to your number four. Well, all right. So, here's the thing. It's funny that you mentioned that uh, the best Wes Anderson film was... The Grand Budapest Hotel, because it <laughs> just happens to be my number four. <laughs> That's really funny. So, I, yeah, I heard you say that, and I was like, "Oh, he doesn't know what's gonna happen. This is gonna blow his mind." <laughs> so yeah, uh, and unfortunately, it's the last criterion that is gonna be on my list, and so then on both of our lists. Uh, 
But can I just say also the uh, the Criterion uh, box set is amazing. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah. And I own, yeah. by the way, this will probably come up if we ever talk, when we ever oh, yeah, talk yeah. about Wes Anderson again. I own every Wes Anderson film on Criterion or Blu-ray if it's not available in Criterion, which is only one of them. That was yeah, like that was that was my Christmas gift to myself because I only had like yeah. a couple Criterion movies. I was like, whatever, all the Wes Andersons. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, that's... I'm gonna get there eventually. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah. It was one I only of the first... this one, but. It's like I said, Grand Budapest is a great one. Yeah. It's well, yeah. So, uh, Grand Budapest is again filmed by Wes Anderson, released in 2014, about um, Monsieur Gustave, who is uh, the owner of a of a hotel called the Grand Budapest Hotel, and who is basically accused of murder, uh, accused of murdering Tilda Swinton's character, who is an actress that I really like, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Basically, he and his uh, lobby boy, uh, Zero, who ends up being his best friend, they basically go on this big adventure to trying to prove that he's innocent and everything. And there's also a romance story with um, Sirs Ronan, I think is how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Uh, I think so. Agatha is the name of the character. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I think I googled it uh, a few months ago and that was the answer, so... Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm pretty sure I told you that uh, last time we talked, but I was talking with a friend about Wes Anderson and she said that Wes Anderson is a kind of the kind of director that every single one of his movies uh, are about a very specific thing that reaches to very specific people so that uh, which means that every single person is gonna have a different um, a different uh, favorite Wes Anderson film, and so for example, her favorite, um, her favorite Wes Anderson was uh, Life Aquatic, and it's uh, Life Aquatic might be one of my least favorites from him, even though I still really, really? liked it. Life Aquatic is my um, my third favorite, and if I'm being yeah. honest, Life Aquatic kind of makes me cry <laughs> whenever I watch it. Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's I think it's his most uh, emotional film, in my opinion. And yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and I, I love that one. Yeah, something also that's really interesting with with uh, Wes Anderson, especially with uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I don't know if you well, uh, I'm curious about your uh, opinion on that. Do you think would you consider Wes Anderson's movies as comedies? Uh, I would more consider it. You really do have to take it case by case. Because um, yeah. with, bottle, with Bottle Rocket, very much a comedy. Because um, it very it mm-hmm. focuses on just the zany aspects of what they're doing much more. Um, uh, movies like Life Aquatic is much more drama oriented. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums is a good mix of the both. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a lot more comedy oriented. Uh, yeah. But I would have to say, overall, every movie of his has, you know, hits this very, like, precise point of being yeah. both very dramatic and emotional, but also being really funny. 
I think. I think it might be because uh, all of his films have some kind of like... I don't know if that's the right word, but almost childish uh, point of view. It almost makes you feel that like the film was uh, written by, by a kid. Not, not in a bad way, but in the way that there's a... a, a, a I don't know. There's something. It, it, they're not kids' movies, but they make you feel like they are. Mm-hmm. They're. I think the way I would say it is they're just they're written with so much heart that you can really, yeah. you can really just get it from watching it. And I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate his work a lot, and I will talk about it a lot in the future. <laughs> but yeah, no, Wes is great, and Grand Budapest yeah. is a great movie. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. And Ralph Fiennes in this film oh, is Jesus. amazing. His, He's so fucking good. His delivery of dialogue is the funniest thing I've ever heard. There's there's the scene where he's in the prison, and uh, they say the the one of the prisoners says some something like uh something like uh you're very you're you're extremely straight, and and Gustav just yeah. goes. Well, I've never heard anything like that before. <laughs> it is so good. No, um, I think my favorite bit of dialogue is uh, when he's being accused of the murder, and it's like, "Oh, I, I, I knew it was weird that we never got a cause of death. She's been murdered, and you think I did it?" And just runs away. <laughs> and you think I did it? And <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's and amazing. it's like. The there's just uh, Edward Norton as a policeman who's just so confused, like the fuck, the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. so good. All right, amazing, love this film. So, what is your uh, fourth film? My uh, number, four. my number four was a movie that I watched not expecting to love it as much as I did. That is. Mm-hmm. That is Damien Chazelle's La La Land. Oh, alright. I... I adore this movie. <laughs> There's really not much okay. more I can say. I just... I have such... It, it might not be, like, the most, like, perfect movie ever made. But I... It's it's one of the movies that I just have so much pure love for that whenever I watch it I just I feel infatuated with what I'm watching. It's just it's so yeah. It's so like glamorous, it's so upbeat, it's so crazy in how it wants to present like all of its musical numbers. The musical numbers are great. It's probably my favorite musical that I've ever seen. Um yeah. I I just, yeah, I love pretty much everything about the way that this movie is made. It's just, it's it's really good. <laughs> and I'll definitely mm-hmm. be talking about it in the future. Yeah. Uh, well, so, it's, uh, that's kind of an interesting situation because I think I have kind of like the opposite experience with the film where I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Really? Okay. Because, um, well... All right, because here's the, uh, the thing. I'm a really big musical fan. Like, mm. I love musical theater. I love Disney musicals and everything. And, um, which you could probably guess with my YouTube channel, right? <laughs> yes, I... I... <laughs> yeah. Right. And, 
Well, so, the thing is that I didn't... I feel like this film was... While it was marketed as a, as a musical, and while it is a musical, it's not... It's more focused on being a, a film telling a story than actually being a musical. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's what kind of like... Uh, what I was kind of disappointed about, but... I'm not saying that the film is bad. I think it's still a really good film. Yeah. Um, but in, in what I'm going to say the, to make it make the more sense is most of the films that I'm talking about in this list are films that um, I watched for the first time and then a few months later they were still in my head and was, I was still like, oh my God, this film is still so good and I still like this one so much even... Uh, it's still so fresh in my head even a few months after watching it and I thought that it was going to be the same thing with La La Land and it wasn't I kind of forgot about the film after I watched it and so yeah it just didn't really like it's very interesting uh, yeah that you and I had very opposite mm-hmm. experiences with it because I what ended yeah. up happening was uh, I had heard about the movie obviously because I was following movies really closely at that time in my life which I still am. Yeah. But um, I was over at one of my dad's friend's house, and they're like, hey, let's watch a movie tonight, because that's what we would do over there a lot. And they're like, let's watch uh, La La Land. And we watched it, and I went into it not really expecting much, because at that point in my life, I wasn't a big musical guy. I'm still not. I mm-hmm. love a good... I like. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love a good musical. Like, I of course. really like a few musicals. But I was taken aback <laughs> by this movie i much like royal tenenbaums it is one of the more beautiful uh experiences i've had watching a movie because it's just it's very mm-hmm. that's really the way i can describe it is that it's beautiful um but yeah i <laughs> i like a lot of things about yeah. this movie if mm-hmm. i can i'm trying to think of uh I I don't really know what I could say to criticize it now that I think about it, which you know obviously we'll probably end up talking about it in the future sometime or l- later. Who knows? Of course, yeah. <laughs> and right. who knows? Maybe when I'm uh, when I'm gonna watch it for that episode, I'm gonna like it more. Who knows? Yeah, there a who lot knows? of cha- a lot of opinions may change in this yeah. in the course of this and, podcast. Yeah. And yeah, just realize that, like most of those films are films that I've only watched once. So mm. I don't know. I've seen every one of these movies at least twice. Yeah, I don't know. Like, out of the ones that I've talked about, the only ones that I've seen twice are uh, Ed Wood, Parasite, and Scott Pilgrim. The only one, the only ones I haven't seen more than once are uh, Old Boy and uh, End of Evangelion. Right. But um, everyone else I've seen multiple times. But yeah. Who knows? Um, Dude, if, if this... Uh, podcast ends up lasting a year. Well, and next year we could make a, a sort of a follow up. Ooh, talking about that's a like good what idea. Changed. That's a good idea. I like that. that. Yeah, I like that just, a lot. Because I'm sh- I'm sure that like I I know kind of like what my top ten looked like a year ago, and it was nothing like this. Oh, of course, yeah. Hmm. All right. So uh, it's time right. for your. Yeah, so we're we we're top, in the top three. Top three. Top three. All Ooh. right. <laughs> My number three is... Well, so I mentioned about, like... Uh, I thought that a lot of them was going to be uh, one of those films that 
I, I watch and then the, it just stays in my head. This film is a great example of that. It is Fight Club, mm. the classic film, which I somehow had never seen until uh, summer of, of uh, 2020. I have never seen it still. Ah, well, yeah, that, right. that is one of my great failures as a cinephile. Yeah, for a long time that was uh, that was one of mine, and so it it's also my first uh, David Fincher film, uh, who I I ended up watching a bunch of his films later on, and I didn't really expect that much uh, going in, and I don't know, it just blew my mind. There, it's amazing. And it's, I uh, was uh, e- even many months later, even a year later, I was still thinking about it, like very often, and which doesn't happen to me a, a lot. And so I don't know, just a, a, a film. I think is one of those cases where I watched the film at the right time. I think that's really it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, so Fight Club, I think, was released in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, directed by David Fincher, who we mentioned earlier because uh, he made Social Network, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's about uh, the I don't remember this, his name, but the character of Edward Norton, who uh, m- ends up meeting in uh, in during a flight, ends up meeting Brad Pitt's character, and they they start being friend. They end up uh, being roommate because. Uh, Edward Norton's uh, apartment ends up blowing up. That's another <laughs> thing. It happens in, like the first fifteen minutes, so it's not a spoiler at all. Yeah. Um, and they end up forming a Fight Club, uh, just because. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Before you continue, I should note uh, the only thing I do yeah. know about Fight Club is the big spoiler. Yeah, so I should I should mention I should mention though, let's not let's not mention it. <laughs> let's uh let's stay, yeah let's stay away from it a bit and then save that for when Fight Club eventually gets its own episode. I'm actually really surprised that I got to live, like as um when I saw it I didn't know about it, so I'm really surprised that I got to live the first seventeen years of my life without knowing about this because it's one of the. <laughs> most famous spoilers in movies like this and the sixth sense yeah like both the two big ones both of those were ruined for me at a very early age in my film watching days like i was like yeah. 13 when that got messed up for me yeah um but yeah so uh yeah they end up forming a, a fight club which is just them reuniting uh to, to fight with a bunch of other people and everything and it just gradually goes more and more and more and then it just <laughs> becomes out of control for Edward Norton and no yeah it's um, it's a very kind of like stressful uh, film I'd say yeah. in many ways uh, especially for Edward Norton's character who just so there's so much stuff going on in his life and I don't know it's uh, again a very entertaining film and uh, yeah, it's, it made me fall in love with David Fincher's movies. Yeah, Fincher Fincher's a great director, and I I can't wait to watch more from him. Yeah, no, I've seen the vast majority of his films. I think one of the only ones that I haven't seen is uh, Alien Three. 
Oh well, that, that's the one yeah. you can. That, that's the one you can legally. That's skip. the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. It doesn't count. No, it it. it yeah. <laughs> for the longest time, nobody knew it was a David Fincher movie because they took his name off of it, which is hilarious to yeah. me. <laughs> uh huh. And I mean, I would have probably done the same. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. All right. Are we moving on yeah. to mine? Yes. What is your number 3? Okay. I was I don't know. I didn't know if I wanted to include this one on the list until like just today. But okay. It's probably my most cliché pick if I had to say. Oh, all right, sure. That's fine. It's Yeah. It's like the it's the cliché like film guy movie. All right. It's Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. yeah, yeah, sure. I just, I, I mean, I can't deny it. It's it's impeccably it's made. It's one of the most entertaining movies out there. Literally, I can pop on this movie like any time and just watch through all of it. And it's yeah, it's just great. <laughs> Dialogue, yeah. cinematography. I mean, uh, yeah, all, all of it's great. We we met, we talked about dialogues when we were talking about uh, social network, but mm. this is another great example. Uh, extremely quotable dialogues. The p- pulp like fiction. All of Samuel Jackson's lines. <sighs> pulp Fiction is one of the most. It it is the only movie that I quote on the regular with my friends. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, well, all right. Obviously, for some reason, I can't remember any of his lines. But um, <laughs> oh, I did, I remember the quite two a scenes. Few. Uh, uh, the 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 scene in the diner where he quotes the Bible, which is one of the best scene I've, <laughs> uh, scenes I've seen. It's so good. I, and um, I had a friend recently. He was wondering. He was like, "What does Sam Jackson say to uh the one guy in the corner when he starts talking?" And I or or and I uh, and I went oh yeah I was like and I made him lose his mind in the car and I just went I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing because oh, no, Sam- it's like um, Sam Jackson is the, the, so like snappy and like yeah. crazy in that movie oh I love in, it in that same scene there's a guy there's a guy panicking he's like what say what say what one more uh, goddamn time yeah and we uh, it's it. It's been talked about to death already, and like I said, it's the cliche film guy movie. Yeah. Like I, I, I really do. St- I, I, I don't. I don't think I hate saying it's one of my favorite movies, but there definitely is a moment where I'm like, oh, should I, I say it. that? Yeah. No, it's amazing. Obviously. I get it. Mm-hmm. I have a. I just thought of a very story, a uh, very funny story oh, God, uh, about this. So. Um, so this year was my first year in film school and mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year one of my classes um, f- well the teacher decided to do something so that we can all get to, to know each other and everything so she said alright um, s- everyone's gonna uh, say their name what kind of job they'd like to do like director, screenwriter and that kind of stuff and what is their favorite director we were 20, I want to say 23 students in that class and I want to say that 19 students say that their favorite director was Quentin Tarantino. Uh, like, Which, he's great. He's great. I thought, oh, he's great. He's great. He's phenomenal. 
But oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like he's the, like the I said that... he's the cliche film director guy. He is. Yeah, and you know, I've obviously heard about the cliche that every single film student's favorite director is uh, Quentin Tarantino, and I didn't, you know, I thought, oh yeah, it's a cliche. It's obviously going to be, obviously there's going to be a bunch of people whose favorite director is Tarantino. Um, But I didn't expect that much. I think, like, I didn't, well, I didn't say uh, Tarantino, I said... uh, well, we're going to talk about it later because there might be another list of other favorite directors Ooh. coming next. Um, and I, I think another person said Martin Scorsese and there were two other people that said something else. And that's it. Everyone else. Oh, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> oh, I remember. So there was there was one guy who uh, said, I, I don't know who he said, He's, um, but he didn't say Tarantino. And then he just said... Uh, his choice and said uh, because of this and that and then he uh, he just said oh and by the way I think that uh, Tarantino is overrated and then he muted his microphone oh I thought <laughs> I thought that was so fucking funny oh my like, oh, god and by the way uh, I disagree with all of you guys shut up the bait the bait is strong I love it yeah oh dude I loved it that was so good <laughs> all right so what's uh what's your number yeah. two uh, so I don't own this one on uh, DVD, mm-hmm. but it is another kind of like no, I, I wouldn't say cliche, but it's a very common mm-hmm. film to put like high in uh, the, the 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 top tens, and it's a film that was very important to me in my uh, cinephile life. It is Forrest Gump. Mm. Forrest Gump is fantastic. Which, so yeah. So, uh, directed in uh, 1994 by Robert Zemeckis with four, uh, I was going to say Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks, <laughs> who is the fucking, Tom Hanks is the fucking best. Mm. Can we just clear that out? He's amazing. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And so, it's kind of a joke in my family that, like, every, uh, every one of us in my family, our favorite film is all Forrest Gump. Because, <laughs> like, in terms of movie, we all have kind of like di- different tastes and uh Forrest Gump is the one film that kind of like uh unifies us and it's like all right for this film it's like our family's holy grail you know and I don't know what it is about this film but it's like I saw it um pretty young I think I was 11 years old when I first saw it and uh it it's kind of the film that made me think all right yeah kids films are nice but that that's more like a, an adult film, you know. Like there was there were sex scenes. There, there's a film where um, Forrest touched Je- Jenny's boobs. Like mm. oh dang, you know that kind <laughs> of stuff. That scene B- was it, that that scene was not funny to me at all until I was like seventeen. I don't know why, <laughs> but like that scene didn't get me as, yeah. as good. But like I watched it again when I w- with my girlfriend, and it was just the scene where it just oh <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, oh, I get it, amazing. and it's like I'm I'm not I'm not a person who generally uh, rewatches a lot of my favorite movies. Um, I've seen Forrest Gump I think six times. Yeah, just because I, like once in a while it's like oh you know what, I'm gonna rewatch Forrest Gump because that's what that's what I need tonight. I, and I'd say I'd say I've just, seen it like I've probably seen it like four times. Yeah. And it's it's you know just it's just a film that makes me feel things. 
which is <laughs> I don't know it's just so so well made and it's um, a film that opened me up to uh, so many other films and it's one of the films that made me like a cinephile that's uh, what I tend to say it's a very respectful choice Forrest Gump's yeah Forrest Gump's amazing mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like well it's um yeah I, I said it, it's like uh, one of my favorite um, my family's holy grail but it's like three films it's Forrest Gump Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile mm. which are I've, three I, amazing films the only one I haven't seen out of those is Shawshank I've seen Green Mile yeah um, and but, it's yeah mm-hmm. and it's so insane to think that like uh, Green Mile and Shawshank are based off Stephen King novels and it's like the the, the, the it guy the, the yeah. guy who made an orgy scene uh, an orgy scene with teenagers <laughs> Stephen King the okay. Green Mile and Shawshank Stephen King yeah, might right. be tangent St- Stephen King might be the best based on author ever because yeah. oh, his yeah, yeah, books yeah. on their own aren't great they're great they're fine i've never read a single one so i can't say i've read like half of it and it's or not like half like maybe a quarter all right and it's like pretty good it's a brick yeah but it's a fucking brick it is it is a gigantic book i have it somewhere at my dad's house it's just but like it's so ridiculous yeah but the movies that are made off of his films or off of his books Woo! Like, you have some of the greatest yeah. horror movies ever, and also some of the worst. Let's get that out of the way. Maximum Overdrive, Dreamcatcher. Yeah, no, he's got some pretty... Yeah. Yeah, there's like... Oh, yeah. God, what else was there? There's... um, There's... I don't re- remember the name, but he directed... He, Stephen King, directed one adaptation of his books, mm. and apparently it's one of his for, uh, worst ones. I can't <laughs> remember the name, though. He did... There was... um. And we can talk about this more in a bit, um, but he did direct a uh, a miniseries based off of his book, The Shining, because he hates the uh, Kubrick adaptation. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it is, from what I've heard, one of the worst adaptations of his work, which is oh, hilarious. Yeah. It's... I don't think he directed it. Now that I say that, but I, 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 th- I know he was involved. I think. I think he might have been like a lot more involved with yes. that one than yes with the, sure. the Kubrick. Yeah, but yeah, that's a tangent for a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, because we were talking about Forrest Gump and we got to yeah. Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. So, um, but Stephen King is definitely someone who we we are going to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna have to talk about him in a later episode. Oh, for sure. All right, so do we want to move on to my number two? Yes. What is your number two? My number two is Clerks, directed by Kevin Smith. All right. Have you ever seen it? Which I have not seen. Ah. I've I've not seen it. Clerks is... I don't know. I say it's the funniest movie I've ever seen. Um, I think that's still true. Uh, but the reason it's so funny to me is because it's the same kind of humor that I grew up with around my dad. It's just stupid, like, 90s kid, like, kind of awful humor that 
just hits hits me in like the best of ways. Like there's so many one-liners yeah. in this movie that I love with all of my heart. There's um <laughs> there's okay, I'll, I'll quote one scene cuz I don't know, whenever we eventually do a clerks episode, uh god, you'll just hear me say like all my favorite quotes from that movie, but my favorite one like just to say offhand is they're playing hockey on a on a roof. And like they hit the ball off of the roof of the, off of the roof of the um, place, and uh, and like they hit they they're like oh whatever and then they play another one they hit it off the roof again they're like oh damn it so they send the main guy uh, Dante over the side like to like ask a guy down below if he's if he saw them and he's like hey you seen any balls down there and the guy just goes about the biggest pair you ever seen Diggleberry and he goes god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. it's it's no, a and hysterical didn't Kevin, movie. Kevin Smith made like didn't he make this film for like nothing? Yeah, it was like, with he, no budget. I believe it was like maybe twenty thousand, if if that. Yeah, because like from what I remember, he spent all of his savings. He sold all of his comic books and then later bought them back once the movie succeeded. Um, nice. yeah, it, he funded it completely by himself and. It's shot all in black and white, and it is probably my favorite, like, I don't know, independent movie ever. But yeah, it's mm. it's it's a great one, and Kevin Smith has made some other great movies, yeah. like like Dogma. Um, I have not seen any of his others, though, so they're all on my watch list. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. No, Clerks, Clerks is no. a fantastic movie. I'm going to have to watch it, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so I guess we're on to... The I big one, the, the 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 big boy. The big boy. So my my number one. All right, bit of an introduction before. Okay. Yeah. I've talked about a lot of very very critically acclaimed films, like films that have only good reviews and everything. Things that are studied every at any film school and everything and. And so my number one, I wouldn't say that it is not a good film, I, because obviously it is my number one, but it is not nearly as acclaimed as the my uh, the other films because I like it for a completely other reason. And well, all right, I say it. It's more them because it's eight movies. It's the Harry Potter movie. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know, yeah, and no, I'm sure you weren't expecting that, but I'm not fucking joking. I could never say in my entire life that I, my favorite movie is not a Harry Potter movie because Harry Potter is the single piece of media that I like the most in the entire world. Okay, I I have a proposition for you. I think Go ahead. one of these days... So... For the last year, I've been debating watching all the Harry mm-hmm. Potter movies again because my girlfriend's really into Harry Potter, and I haven't been into Harry Potter yeah. since I was much younger. Um, but I decided recently, I was like, I'll watch them all again sometime. But now that you say that it's one of yeah. it's your favorite movies of all time, yeah. What if we did like a big two-parter episode on every movie, dude? Yes. I, I'm so fucking down to do that. Oh my god! Because I've got like a lot of stuff to say about the films. I'm sure, and it, like it would obviously require me to watch all of them again. But 
Yeah, I yeah. Oof, I would be absolutely down. There okay, there's another um like not this isn't going off on a side tangent, but there was another thing that you mm-hmm. mentioned to me that I thought was very interesting the other night uh about how you watch All these right. movies. What do you mean? The uh the specific uh language you watch them in. Oh, uh do you mean French? Yes. I think All right. Uh, I, well, I yeah. used to watch them in I I used to watch them in French, but now I watch them all in uh, the original language. Oh, I thought you said that you per, that you preferred it in French. No. Uh, yeah. No. Well, Harry. All right. So what I said during that conversation was that um, it was because uh, when I was a kid, I was watching the films in French because I didn't speak English. Right. But um, I uh, at one point I decided to. Uh, uh, watch them all in uh, in English just to see what it was like, and I thought it was very disturbing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird because you're used to, to seeing the, these actors having certain voices, right? And now it's completely different, and they have a British accent. Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, and, I uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess the reason that that was so strange to me is because you know, obviously, American boy over here. I I have a very very like narrowed mindset when it comes to like how how other movies are perceived how uh, movies made in my culture are perceived in other in other worlds like other nations and languages so i like i almost can't like fathom an english dub of like or like not an english dub like a foreign language dub of anything that like like back to the future for example i can't fathom that but it exists, mm. and that's how a lot of people watch those movies, and I think that's really interesting. So I guess like when you brought up that that was mm-hmm. the way that you watched them, I, I think that's yeah really cool. <laughs> well, yeah, but so I didn't mention it last time, but uh, I eventually got used to the uh, the English voices mm. mainly by watching a bunch of interviews of the actors and making up videos. So now when I watch the movies, I watch them, and well, that's funny because now I, I watch them in. Uh, <laughs> English, because the French voices are weird. Now. <laughs> that's so really it's all gone for, full circle. That's really interesting, yeah, actually. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But yeah, no. So, well, I guess I should maybe talk about why I like Harry Potter so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I and I, it's it's not an easy thing to explain. Mm. So I've just. As far as I can remember, I've just always been a massive Harry Potter fan. Like, ever since I was a kid, um, you know, I watched the movies and everything. And obviously, it's a big thing in our generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's just like when the the, the last film came out, uh, the, the craze kind of like uh, got a lot small, smaller. But it didn't get any smaller for me. I just kept being a fan and everything. And just... I don't know. And also, I just want to point out. I say my favorite films are the eight Harry Potter movies. I do not count Fantastic Beasts. Because no. they're not nearly as good in my no, opinion. No, they're not. I actually haven't seen the first one. But I have seen the second one. And I hated that. <laughs> Why... Why did you watch okay. the, the the second film if you hadn't watched the first film? So what happened was I obviously they came out at a point where I was not nearly as big as a Harry Potter fan as I was when I was younger. 
so the first one right. didn't interest me at all. And then when the second one came out, my friend was like, hey, um, we're going to the movies tonight, and I was wondering if you wanted to come along. We're going to go see Fantastic Beasts. And that night, I was just wanting to get out of the house, so I was like, sure. And so I went and saw it, and that's why I've only seen the second one. <laughs> yeah, um, well, so as I said, the first one is okay. It's yeah. not the, the best. It's fine. The second one is a huge, massive pile of shit it's that I hate. It's so bad. <laughs> it's not... Oh, my God. It's so bad. And you know why it's so bad? Why? Because J.K. Rowling rolled the film. Oh. And she's, she might be a somewhat good author. She's garbage at screenwriting. And she's it's crazy how she's completely ruining her own franchise all by herself. It's so... It's incredible to see just how bad of a it's job so she's doing weird. right now. Oh my god, it's oh, fucking crazy. I wanted she's, to, okay, I wanted to ask she's your, a f- oh man. I wanted to ask your uh, perspective on yeah. this. Have you read uh, The Cursed Child? <sighs> Don't get me fucking started on The Cursed Child. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Right, oh, cool. So, alright, I read the, the Cursed Child uh, when the, the, the books came out. Mm-hmm. The, the book version of it came out. Yeah. And uh, I was, it came out, I think, in 2016, so I was 13 years old. And I was not as good as we talked about earlier. I wasn't as good as forming opinions as I am now. And so I saw it, and I was just kind of like eating up whatever kind of crap that would come out from the Harry Potter universe. So I, I read it, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's nice to see more from the, um, the characters. And so that was five years ago. The more I think about The Cursed Child and the more I remember things from it, the more I hate it. And now it's gone from, (laughs) oh yeah, it's pretty good, to, oh my god, that's so bad. That's so not good. There's There's so so much stuff that is wrong with it. I have never, I've never read it. um, Because it came out at a point Mm -hmm. where I just didn't care. But, um... Of course. There's this great YouTube channel out there uh, uh, by uh, w- by the name of uh, Austin McConnell. Uh, and the guy who runs oh, it is yeah. the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has a couple videos on The Cursed Child. And uh, I watched them, and I'm like, this is what happened? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy how, like, not, not, like, every single character does not react and act the way that they should based on the books. Right. Like, Harry Potter, the character of Harry Potter in The Cursed Child is such a fucking asshole throughout the entire <laughs> thing. And it's just like, we're not gonna go into tangent for too long about The Cursed Child because right. it's gonna take too long and I'm curious <laughs> to see what your, well, I'm guessing I know what your number one is, yeah, but I'm curious to see <laughs> uh, about that conversation. Yeah, but the, the fact that um, so at, at the end of the last film he talks to, to his kid because it's 19 years later talks to his kid who's about to go to Hogwarts and it's like but dad what, what if I'm going to Slytherin you know he's very worried about that and Harry uh, decides to tell him you know oh dude that's not an issue there were all these guys <laughs> who were Slytherins and there were really brave guys and everything and re- really cool guys and you're named after a Slytherin, Albus Severus, which is a terrible name, but that's another thing. And uh, then, the in The Cursed Child, 
the kid ends up being Slytherin, and then he just fucking changes his mindset. He's like, oh, you fucking kid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's really weird. That's, uh, that's... <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. I hate it. It's, it's, it's fun. It was funny when all the, uh, talks were coming out about JK Rowling being transphobic and, uh, her being canceled and everything. It's like, uh, so I saw people saying like, in the more extreme sides, I saw people saying like, oh, uh, you people shouldn't watch Harry Potter anymore because it is, you know, because of J.K. Rowling. It's like, dude, do you not realize that literally every single Harry Potter fan stopped liking J.K. Rowling many years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so... Like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know? <laughs> yeah, dude, don't worry. We know. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So, I'm just gonna shut up about Harry Potter. We're gonna talk about it some other time. So now let's talk about your number one, Alec. Well, my number one movie of all time is the only movie that every time I've watched it, it's only gotten more perfect in my mind, and that is The Shining. Yay. Yay. <laughs> but, right. yeah, I awesome. mean, it's just... Oh. It's so yeah. It's it's the only horror movie that actually disturbs me to my core. Like I watched Really? Yeah, like more specifically just the the idea of the haunted ballroom. I don't know what it is right. about that ballroom, but it just Huh. Oh, it, it it creeps me it creeps me out, dude. <laughs> That's interesting. And just thinking about yeah. All the pieces of the movie. Stanley Kubrick made this movie like a puzzle. Like it's so, it, it, like it's it's yeah. like a puzzle that doesn't quite fit together. There's so many things in this movie that don't feel right, but are just so incredible. Like there's just scenes where, like obviously, there's the scene where Chevrolet Duvall is running through the hallway and she sees that bear blowing or or bear blowing that dude. Is really weird, and then she yeah yeah, and then uh-huh. there's uh oh god there's, okay there's another thing completely off tangent and we'll talk about this during like a, a shining episode or something, um, uh-huh. room two thirty seven is a three hour long documentary, about uh conspiracy theories of the shining yeah and it is I heard about that it's not an amazing documentary but it's hilarious, because. You get some really interesting. Really? You get some really interesting theories. Like, okay, this one guy uh, notices that if you play the movie forwards and backwards at the same time, some scenes will like coincidentally overlap. And it's like it's very interesting to see this breakdown. And then, <laughs> and then you get to see like a crazy person go on a twenty-minute tangent about how he thinks that this picture or this poster of a skier is like a is like a minotaur and what that means for the movie and he's just sitting there he's like it's a minotaur and he sees this and it symbolizes mythical creatures in the in the woods and it's <laughs> it's my favorite documentary about crazy people and I love I haven't seen it since I was like 14 but I need to watch it again yeah it's all right. I'm. I'm gonna say this. Uh, I think 
uh, Shining is the most overanalyzed film there's ever been. And there's like, uh, it's crazy. Like, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. stuff to analyze from this film because there's obviously a lot of stuff uh, that's a, a lot of kind of like hidden things yeah, that room, Kubrick made. And, room, to, know, room, room 237 is like the pinnacle of that. It's so yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> There's oh man, I've heard things like um, I'm sure there are things that were mentioned in this, in this documentary, but I, I I heard them and I was like, yeah, dude, do you not realize that you make no fucking sense right now? The Native American theory is the one that makes absolutely no sense at all. Yeah, it's I I don't remember the specifics of it because I kind of forgot it, but like, it's because of all the Native American imagery that's in the film. A lot of people think that it's a film that relates to the story of the Native Americans, and you know you can make those yeah. you can make comparisons, but I don't think that's what the movie was about. <laughs> if I had to take a guess personally, yeah, yeah, no, I heard uh, I heard about that one, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but there are a lot of things. Um, I I I think I told you that that like earlier this year for uh, one of my classes I had to make uh, an analysis on The Shining. Yes, you did say that. And uh, I, yeah, and I talked a lot about like how um, Kubrick does un- until you really see that like uh, Jack is going crazy. He does an amazing job at foreshadowing without like in a way that's like he's being subtle. But you can still like uh, notice it and think like, hey, yeah, something's going on. Like uh, in a lot of tra- transitions, uh, there's a, a scene where Jack is kind of like having writer's block, and so uh, instead of writing, he's throwing a ball at the wall and cashing in and throwing it, throwing it again. And he does that for a while, and then the the scene fades into another scene where uh, his wife and kid are going to the labyrinth, and the, the way the transition is makes it so that, like, it's almost looks like he's uh, throwing the ball at them, which is kind of like a foreshadowing. It might be one of those things that Craig did not plan at all, but it looks yeah. like it was planned. It has so much, like, terror. It, it The way I describe, like, the last act of the movie is that it has so much, like, horror energy. It just like once once yeah. the like deliberately like scary stuff starts happening, it just doesn't stop. It just keeps going and ramps up to intensity until just yeah. the last that last frame of him like just frozen in the snow. Yeah. And then you get that mm-hmm. then you get that scary like camera like move through of like the cobwebs, uh, and then there's the picture of him with all the people in the ballroom, which makes no sense, but it's terrifying and I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no, great. Plus, like, Jack Nicholson oh. was, like, oh my God. perfect for this film. <laughs> you can tell. Stanley Kubrick, oh my god. Throughout yeah. all of his movies, he's been notorious for just being the biggest asshole when it comes to like how he treats his actor actors and actresses but i well, yeah i mean oh that my was god es- yeah that was especially the case with uh, Shelley Duvall yeah, who, like Jesus i've heard so Christ. many people say oh, i heard so many people say like that she's really bad in this film and stuff like no. that no what the fuck are you Shelley guys talking Duvall about is she's amazing mm, it's so good in this movie 
dude, like the scene uh, where he's uh, threatening her with a knife, I think. Uh, where they're going? No, she's uh, she's got the knife, and they're yeah. going up the stairs. You know that scene. Uh, I think it's the scene that they did a hundred and twenty-seven takes of. Oh my god! And uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's. I mean, the, the acting is amazing. There's the fact that like, I've heard uh, something that. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, something that I've heard about the the whole thing of. Um, uh, Stanley Kubrick being kind of like abusive, abusive with his actor is like he was like that with Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and the the, the guy who played the the the, the chef, the one uh, kill count in the only fi- uh, uh, in uh, the entire uh, film, Scatman Crothers. Yeah, those are the three actors that he was really kind of like abusive with. Uh, the other ones like the the kid and all the crew, he was really, apparently really nice with. That's what I heard. Yeah. So he, it's not just him being a an asshole. It's, it's just his no. Way it's of completely moves, which, it's completely deliberate in every way. Yeah. There's which then the the debate is kind of like does he really need that to get that from his actors? I'm not entirely sure about that. But there's a that's lot a, to be said. A whole morally. other debate. Yeah. There's a lot to be said morally about it, and there's a lot of my own views that yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. That's all I'll say. Yeah. But. The fact yeah. <laughs> that he didn't tell Shelley Duvall that Jack Nicholson was going to, I don't know, axe down an entire door and scream at her is so entirely terrifying. Imagine being, yeah. imagine being Shelley Duvall oh, yeah. and Jack Nicholson is going absolutely oh, crazy. <laughs> Must have been hell. Oh my but god! Like, then I I saw an, an <laughs> I saw an interview of her after the movie had come out where she was like oh it was such a great experience it was like was it though <laughs> kind of seems like not that much <laughs> was it though <laughs> that's great not entirely convinced by that yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah that's the shining my so, my favorite movie ever made yeah um so i guess now it's time for the the second and obviously last list got to I, th- I don't know how long we've been talking, but it's we've, been a while. It's uh, My audacity says we've been almost going for two and a half hours. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> let's try to go for three, shall we? Yeah, let's go for three. <laughs> All right, so next list, uh, that, that one's going to be a top four. Top four of our favorite directors, because um, I thought that would be interesting to see what uh, what kind of directors we like. We like. Obviously... Uh, we're going to talk about movies and directors that we already talked about in our previous list. Because I'm guessing, at least as the case for me, but I'm guessing that uh, your favorite directors were already mentioned in your uh, top ten. Yes. Right? Yes. All right. So, I guess like uh, the previous list, I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. Go right ahead. So, my fourth, my fourth favorite director is Wes Anderson. All right, all right. Uh, so obviously, as we we've already talked about it uh, about him quite a lot, uh, so I'm not I'm not gonna talk too much about him. Uh, but obviously, I mean his films are uh, they're nice, like that's a, a nice in the best way possible. If that's if that makes sense, like. Um, that's something that I forgot to mention with Grand Budapest Hotel, but even though it's not 
entirely a comedy like whenever I watch it I always have like a huge smile on my face because it's such a, a nice film to, 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 to watch and no, it's, it's the case with every single one of his films yeah it's phenomenal <laughs> yeah like the my second favorite film uh, from him which I uh, which we didn't mention yet is Rushmore mm-hmm. which I think might be his most uh, underrated film I and would see that's that's really interesting that you say that uh, and that you say that um yeah my and that you say that like my which is I consider Life Aquatic probably to be my third favorite which is funny that you say that that's my le- that's your least favorite because Rushmore is actually my least favorite yeah which is oh well yeah which I mean is saying saying your least favorite Wes Anderson film is like for me that's like saying like. Oh, you know, this is my least favorite kind of water. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's the best comparison because I was kind of saying that, like, all the West Anderson films are the same, but I absolutely True. get what you're True. saying, though. I don't know. There, a lot of them are on the same level of quality, I guess I would say, for me. Yeah. Like, I, I would say... It, all Every single... Rushmore, for me, is like a 6 out of 10. But every other Wes Anderson movie is like seven. Oh, okay. Is like seven, eight, nine, and ten. For for me, all the Wes Anderson films are like at least eight. Mm. They're eight, nine, or ten. I would say like, yeah. the The only Wes films that like dip below an eight to me are like, I don't know, Moonrise Kingdom, Rushmore, um, and uh, Isle of Dogs. See, uh, Moonrise Kingdom was another one that I didn't like quite as much as yeah. his uh, other films. It's not great. It's 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 well, oh, it's it's good. It's very good, but it's not like there are there are a lot of things. Yeah, it's not it's not the masterpiece that a lot of you know people might say it is. Because a lot of people love Moonrise Kingdom, and don't get me wrong, Moonrise Kingdom is great. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not amazing. it's not as yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I think, yeah, uh, no, I think you know what, uh, Moonrise Kingdom is my least. Uh, favorite Life Aquatic is my second least favorite and uh, hold on let, let me just look look at his film yeah so the the first film of him that I saw was uh, Isle of Dogs which well the now we're going back to the very beginning of the podcast but uh, when I was talking about uh, the video store near my near my house that uh, closed when I said that they had a sale and I got a bunch of films that was one of them mm because I've never seen a Wes Anderson film. So I, I saw it and I was like, might as well watch it. And uh, I really want to rewatch it after having watched all of his other films. Uh, just because I think it's... Um, I think it would be really interesting to, to see, knowing like all his of his background. Oh yeah, no, I would... That, that's another thing I'd love to do is like a Wes Anderson retrospective. Like yeah. if you, if you yeah, ever yeah. wanted to do... I don't know, a Harry Potter-sized monolith series, I would recommend, for my end at least, the Wes Anderson series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another film from Wes Anderson that I really like, and that is one of those films that I, I think I like it more after having watched it, and like the memory of it is, uh, gets better and better uh, every time I think about it, is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox. So, okay... Here's how, and I'll talk, I, I, I could have mentioned this when I bring up Wes Anderson later in my list, but I'll mention it now because this is where the conversation's going. 
Um, but the way I watched Wes Anderson was interesting, to say the least, because I remember I was over at my that same dad, like my my dad's friend's house, the same ones that we watched La La Land at, and uh, they put on Grand Budapest one night, and I'm like, that was phenomenal. I was like, who is this guy who made this? And uh, the guy Josh, he was like, he was like, oh yeah, I have like most of his movies. We should watch all of them. And I'm like, yeah. So we watched all of them, and I fell in love with Wes Anderson's style. Actually, now that I say that, I have an answer to the early to the, to the beginning of the podcast when he said, when did you become a cinephile? I know exactly when now. I was in seventh grade, and I watched all the Wes Anderson movies. So that was that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only one we didn't watch was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, and I had not seen it since I was a really, like, I was, I think I was a kid when I saw it, because it was, like, you know, marketed as a kid's movie, which it is, but it's not, like, entirely a kid's movie. Yeah. So, like, uh, recently when I, you know, bought all the Wes Anderson movies on Criterion, I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox again, and I'm like, Jesus, that's amazing! I was like... I didn't remember how yeah. incredible Fantastic Mr. Fox is. It's such a sweet film it's, about family. It's so nice. Amazing. So I just realized that I said we uh, we weren't going to talk about Wes Anderson for too long, but I feel like it's already been quite a while. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So let's go a bit faster for the following one. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Actually. So, uh, what is your number four? Uh... I guess what we could do, honestly, is let's just like, mm-hmm. I, okay, here's here's what we can do. I'm gonna go through. Yeah. Instead of like you know dragging it out like we did the film list, let's just like rapid fire go mm-hmm. through the directors. Um, because I right, can because sure. I can I go through I can go through these pretty quick, so I'll just go through all of mine sure. and you can go through all of yours. Um, so number four for me is Stanley Kubrick. I've only seen The Shining and Full Metal Jacket, but both of those movies are very, very close to perfection. I would say Shining probably is. Um, I, mm-hmm. There's not much more I can say other than I'm going to watch you know the rest of his movies. <laughs> uh, num- yeah. Number three is probably... Hmm. Ah, shoot. I was gonna say the director of Evangelion, but I'm not sure. Probably, I. Mm. Let's just say it's him, Hide- huh. Hideaki Anu. Anu. He is very. I didn't, he's, I didn't expect that. He is. Uh, he's very good at. So I would say Evangelion is probably the greatest, uh, like, uh, example of a creative vision gone absolutely insane, because, yeah, because Anu decided. Because it's he basically it started out as, um, it, it like it was a it was made week by week, so the way it was written in the beginning was he was like you know what this is gonna be a regular, robot mecha anime and they're just gonna be very good. Uh, and then he started his depression started taking hold, and he made it Ooh. a lot more existentialist. Near the he- last half of the series, it's extremely like contemplative and slow and insanely beautiful to the point where like i i can't even watch some of those episodes because they're so 
entirely emotional and really well made. Um, so, and then there's obviously the end of Evangelion, which is like, I don't know, peak, <laughs> peak craziness when it comes to Evangelion because it's pretty much all hell breaking loose both in the actual world during the making of the movie uh, in terms of the reception of Evangelion and actual you know content of the movie. So I would say Hideaki Anno is probably my third favorite just based on how insane and perfect yeah. Evangelion can get sometimes. Sometimes there are, there are a few episodes that aren't that great. <laughs> All right. But um, second is Hayao Miyazaki. What, what else can I say? There's Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro. Um, I believe uh, Castle in the Sky was him as well. I don't think Howl's Moving Castle was him. I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I do know that, like, I don't know. Most of those early Ghibli films are they're either Miyazaki or they're uh, Isao Takahata, which is an amazing director in his own right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I love that one, too. But and my favorite director is Wes Anderson. So we already talked about him at like at length. Yeah, let's not, let's not yeah. talk about him again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about him enough yeah, for he'll, today. He'll get his chance. <laughs> yeah. All right, so yeah, yeah. you go ahead. Uh, all right, so I already said my number four was Wes Anderson, uh, who, I've again, I've seen all of his films except uh, uh, Rocket Bottle, uh, Bottle Rocket, uh, Darsling Limited, and uh, the... Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Royal Tenenbaums. I forgot about that. It's getting late. I'm tired. Yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So my my third favorite director is David Fincher, uh, who I've seen Fight Club, Social Network, Seven, Zodiac, The Game, and Mank, which was kind of a deception. Uh, I didn't like it quite as much as his uh, as his other films. Mm-hmm. Um. Then my second favorite is uh, uh, Bong Joon Ho, mm. who yeah obviously is uh, the 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 guy who gunned me into uh, Asian and especially South Korean cinema. Uh, and I've only seen four of it, of his films. I thought I'd seen more, uh, so I saw uh, Parasite, Snowpiercer, which I think is highly underrated. I think this is a fantastic film. Uh, Agja. Uh, which is his Netflix movie, mm-hmm. and Memories of Murder, which is kind of like the film that put him on the map, and it's still, even 18 years later, still a, a masterpiece. It's an amazing film. I just recently bought Memories of Murder from uh, Criterion, so I will be watching that and telling you what I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, next next sell, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. I was so happy when they announced it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And finally, my favorite director of all time is Edgar Wright. It's a good choice. Very who, good choice. Uh, yeah, who uh, was kind of like the... I got really into his movies at the very beginning of uh, Quarantine. And uh, yeah, I just binge-watched... I, I never binge-watched a director's movies. And that's not the way I like to watch movies. But that's what I did for him. Just because like, I watched one film. I was like, all right, I need more. I need more. <laughs> so I watched everything, and I yeah I love it, and I'm so excited for uh, for Last Night in Soho. I, I'm excited as well. Yeah, and I need to watch all of his as yeah. well. 
Mm-hmm. All right, so that concludes the director's yeah. portion. Uh, and yeah. that almost concludes the uh, the podcast. But I will say I think there's one last thing we have to do. Oh, I think we need to pick what the movie for next week is going to be. Oh, sure. Oh, I didn't think we were going to do that during the, the, the podcast. Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's important that we I don't know. I guess we leave off with time for people to watch the movie until the next episode. Right. Oh, that's yeah. That's and that's smart. Yeah. Um, so do we wanna do we wanna throw so sh- do we wanna throw mine into like a randomizer list? Yeah. yeah. So all right to explain what the way we're gonna do this is we both have so we have a Google Doc where we both have a list of films that we each want to talk about and every single week we're gonna take uh one of our lists and put it in a randomizer. And the film that's going to come up is going to be the film that we're going to talk about. So, we've established that uh, for the first episode, for the first real episode, uh, it's going to be Alex's uh, list. Alright. So. So. Uh, what is the film? The film is... I've hit the randomizer. It's loading. Oh. Oh, it's still loading. I don't know why it's taking this long. Oh, God, the suspense. Oh, my God, the suspense is intense. Are we kidding? This is <laughs> this is when it wants to do some suspense on me. All right, that's fine. Well, this is not a time for my internet to be terrible, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It's taking so long. Okay, I'm going to go on my phone. And see if I can get to it before All the right, computer sure. does. Oh, never mind. The first yeah. film is Run Lola Run. Oh. Oh. Okay. So Run Run Lola right. Run is a, a German film from 1998, mm-hmm. and it is something else. I watched it during my film classes, and I thought it was phenomenal. So. Yeah, I I, um, I didn't w- I haven't seen it, but uh, again, like you, uh, we talked about it in one of my classes, because for uh, one of my classes we had to film like a um, a uh, like like a scene, like a purchase scene. No, it's not how you say it. Shit, fuck, my English is messing up. Sorry, it's like it's fine. You're fine. You know where like two people are running at each other. Yeah, you know, like a scene where two people are are running at each other. Yeah, like a, yeah, like a. I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, those kind of scenes. So yeah, uh, and uh, for, for she, my my teacher showed us uh, a scene from the film to kind of like give us an example. Yeah, that's okay. So yeah, that's the that's the first right. movie. I did not expect. Yeah, I did, I did not expect it to, to be this film. I didn't expect that either, honestly. I was fully expecting one of the other movies yeah. we talked about, honestly. But yeah, Run, Lola, Run. Yeah. I have, um, I think most of the things you have to rent them on, but I can, I can honestly, I can send you um, a full MP4 of it subbed because that's what happened with my 
my professor and I. He just uh, yeah. he just sent me a full MP4 mm-hmm. of it, so I can just do that. <laughs> yeah, my teachers did that as well. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. <laughs> well, I guess that this is the end of the very first episode of Movie Dudes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So. Alright, if there's still anyone uh, watching the podcast here, thank you very much yes, thank for you. bearing with us through two and a half hours of us just I'm, talking about movies. I'm sure I am 100% certain that either this episode will not be as long as, we, as we're saying it is, because maybe, I don't know, maybe it might get cut down a little bit. I don't know, that's all, that's all Phil's yeah. decision when he edits it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I can guarantee you... <laughs> That most of the episodes yeah. will not be this long. <laughs> no, because I don't know about you, but I can't talk for this long about only one yeah. film. Yeah, the fact that we that we could talk about this long just shows that like those were multiple movies that we just mentioned. Like yeah, I think yeah, the yeah. only other no, the I, only I, other time that we'll I, talk this much is probably when we review Harry Potter. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or like if we're talking about more than one film yeah. in one episode. Yeah, it's yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping for like one hour uh, each episode around there. I feel like yeah, that, that, that's a good length. That's a good goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. uh, so yeah, well, thank you for watching the first episode. If you liked it, again, like all the YouTubers say, you can like, comment, subscribe, subscribe hit the fucking bell. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I guess I'm gonna put also uh both of our letterboxed in the the description so if you want to follow us you can do that uh can also put our twitter uh in there and uh yeah yeah so thank you thank you for watching and we'll see you next week for the very first episode well technically first episode about run lola run all right bye 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 <laughs>